Good evening, ladies and germs. Welcome to yet another episode of So To Speak. I'm Evan Mead and guest- I'm not Lyle Groninger. You're, yeah, not Lyle Groninger. Um, Lyle Groninger uh, has a previous engagement to attend tonight, but um, we would like to welcome uh, guest host and uh, who's actually been carrying quite a few episodes of this show lately, uh, Joshua Weinberg. Um, welcome. Uh, hello, everybody. Yeah, it's good to have you back as always. Now, um, Tonight, we're going to be doing a bit of a deep dive-ish into the cinematic work of one Adam Sandler. Now, Adam Sandler, if you've been following his career over the past um, couple of decades, you'll know that he can sometimes uh, really make us all laugh. He can really hit his mark or he can miss his mark like by a whole half a globe. If you will. Or like half a universe. Or half a universe, yeah, no kidding. And um, so tonight we're just going to give uh, a bit of a rundown on uh, the man himself. And we're and um, tonight our, that plays into who our guests are. Um, from our Guilty Pleasures episode, we'd like to welcome back Brandon Levine to the show. Welcome back, Brandon. Thank you, Evan. Yeah, and introducing, uh, for the first time in So To Speak history... David Eli, um, these two guys. What yeah, what's up, David? Uh, what's thank, thank you for being here tonight. So, thank you. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, if you've got so, here's how tonight's discussion is going to go. So, Josh and I have our opinions on the uh, Adam Sandler slash Happy Madison productions, but uh, no matter, we are going to and. Uh, David and Brandon seem, tend to have like their own opinions. So we're going to have like a bit of a differing uh, sense of opinion. So uh, as we walk through uh, some of Adam Sandler's and even some of Happy Madison's uh, biggest hits from the last uh, 25, 26, 25 to 30 years, we will kind of like offer our opinions. Uh, we're going, unlike our previous episodes where we just do deep dives into the plots um, I'm going to keep plot summaries like just to one sentence and um, I'm just going to give my initial feedback on everything. So um, I've, this is actually, I'm actually excited because I've wanted to talk about Adam Sandler uh, for a long time because of all the comedians that I've uh, followed over the years, Adam Sandler is one of those comedians where I've actually seen most of the movies, not all of them, but most of them in his filmography um, that uh, I've seen enough of it so that I can actually talk about. It. And um, I think we all have. So um, that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. So without further ado, let's get this show on the road. So, uh, Josh, do you want to give us a little background on the man himself, Adam Sandler? Of course. All right. Well... Adam Richard Sandler was born in September of 1966, and upon looking at it, oh, actually, I should say, since I was probably a young kid, I kind of made a running joke in my head that my dad and Adam Sandler look similar in some ways, but uh, he's definitely of the era of Saturday Night Live that he was on, which was from 90 to 95. He was one of the standout performers, although looking back at a lot of his sketches, I can't say I remember a lot of them, except for Opera Man. Oh, yeah. And there was also the Hanukkah song, wasn't there? 
Yeah, so what a, lot of, what a lot of people may not know is Adam Sandler's style of comedy, while he does do a lot of the typical stand-up stuff, he also dabbles in a lot of musical comedy, particularly in his series of songs about Hanukkah, or mainly singing about people that are either Jewish or half-Jewish, and it usually tends to get updated every five to ten years. There's been at least five parts as of this recording that I know of. There may be more. Right, so... Um that's uh, that's another excellent point. Um, Adam Sandler is definitely one of the more openly Jewish celebrities, and uh, I think it's really cool um, for the most part. And we'll kind of get into why that is for a little bit. But yeah, no, um, it's really awesome that uh, he's so open about it, and um, I think it's cool. So um, we all, thanks for so he got a star on Saturday Night Live. Uh, according to his filmography, his acting filmography on IMDb. Um, he also had a bit of a stint on the Cosby show a few times. That's from- correct. He did play Smitty, who's Theo's friend. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, as the Cosby show is not something we like to <laughs> talk too much about on, uh, so to speak in light of recent events. But, um, but yeah, I know that, uh, him and a lot of uh, other comedians got at their start on the Cosby show. And this was the late eighties. He played Smitty from 87 to 88. Yeah. And what's fascinating is after his first film proper, Going Overboard, which the, the less we say about that, the better. But only look at that film if you're morbidly curious about, you know, the beginning of Sandler's comic shtick. But it was actually a late night host, Dennis Miller, who actually recommended Adam Sandler to Lauren Michaels. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Um, one other thing, uh, has anyone... I have not seen Going Overboard. Has anyone seen it? Here? No. Marnie has it, but I've not seen it in full. I saw someone reviewing it on the internet years ago, but uh, it's not anything to write home about. It's a typical first comedian's film, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I could, I could, I, that kind of makes sense. What's the, what's the plot? Just summed up really quickly. Uh, let me see if I can speed through here. Basically, Adam Sandler plays Shecky Moskowitz, who is a struggling comedian working on a cruise ship, and he ends up being the ship's comedian because they think the regular guy fell overboard and drowned, but he's still around. Uh, and then, of course, his first performance doesn't go well, but then he does end up making the audience laugh and you know, saves, apparently, Miss Australia because there's assassins involved. It's not good. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it sounds like, you know, an interesting premise for a comedy, but I, I, my rule of thumb is I can't really talk about something if I haven't seen it, so uh, we're just going to move on. So What is I, fascinating, yeah. what's fascinating about going overboard is despite being having only a budget of a quarter of, of $200,000, not a quarter million, 200000 it had uh, Billy Zane and uh, Billy Bob Thornton in it, as well as a uh, credited cameo from Milton Berle. So oh, some wow. decent pull for this. And one of the creators of Phineas and Ferb, Dan Povenmire. Okay. Nice. So um, so good stuff, good stuff. So moving on to the 90s, uh, I'm just looking at uh, his filmography here. Uh, he did a TV no. movie called – now this is all like bit parts that we're talking about here. So he did something called Dog Police, which is a TV movie in 1990. Uh, I personally haven't seen. By the way, guys, if you've seen any of these, just holler. So in Dog Police, the plot is a trio of dogs in trench coats are uh, – sorry. A trio of dogs in trench coats are actually policemen. When an emergency call comes in, the dogs must spring into action and solve a crime. So 
So it's Air Bud, but with police dogs. Right. Air Bud with police dogs. The rule book that says a dog can't be a police officer. In some ways, they are. Oh, yeah. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Uh, now, yeah, a lot of TV shows these days, definitely they have had explored that um, that premise. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next thing I see here is uh, Shakes the Clown, which I actually haven't heard of. He played his character is called Dink the Clown in Shakes the Clown. I think that was another supporting role. He, his first oh, it's one of Bobcat Goldthwaite's works. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and then next up, uh, this is where like his work gets more renowned, but he still wasn't quite a leading man yet. In 1993, he was in Coneheads. And, uh, Underrated film. Oh, oh Josh. That was that Alien movie, right? Mm, yeah. There's, there's, it's a tangential thing. It's based, it's, it's one of the first, you know, SNL sketch gets turned into a feature length movie where sometimes the results are good and other times they're not so good. Uh this Cone- is one of the good ones, though. Yeah, Coneheads is still on my list of things to see. So, um, yeah. I think you should definitely check that out. Uh, what what specifically works about Coneheads? Just real quickly here. I think it's the fact that the, again, the people involved really know their stuff. I mean, you have Dan Aykroyd and Jane Curtin, both of whom were SNL alum by this point, and they work really well together. And just the the, the premise is basically, you know, aliens have to blend in with stuff on earth and it's 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 just a it's just a really fun ride and it was one of the first examples of despite people being from saturday night live it doesn't totally feel like an, a 90 minute sketch like some snl movies would later become yeah okay so that's cool so uh in 1994 he would he had two supporting roles in movies called airheads and mixed nuts now, Both uh, of which it, are fantastic films. I okay, so I have n- I tried uh, Q, uh, I tried to find a copy of uh, Airheads, but um, I was only able to watch the first uh, five minutes of it today. But it looks really, and I've also seen like the last little bit of it because uh, uh, Lyle did rent it some time ago. Uh, he watched it at a time when I was. Oh, he should be on this. He yeah. would love the music choices in this one. Oh yeah, no, like it looks really fun. Like uh, Brendan Fre- Fraser looks really funny. Uh, Steve Buscemi looks amazing. And this is when basically the plot is uh, the Adam Sand- Adam Sandler, uh, Brendan Fraser, and Steve Buscemi are members of our our rock band trio, and uh, they basically are trying to get a record deal. That's and and it's of all kinds of like rock and roll hijinks. Really fun. Yeah, I still need to watch it, and then. Uh, so after, so he, and it's worth mentioning that, um, we, we said that he got his start on Saturday Night Live, which is a big reason why, which actually kind of plays into how he got to be a leading man in, uh, movies. So, uh, his stint on Saturday Night Live was from, for five years from 1990 to 1995 and, uh, playing various parts. And, um, now this is where, um, we actually get into the real uh, meat of where of roles that would define who Adam Sandler is. 1995, the world was introduced to Billy Madison. I'm going to be completely honest. I did not see Billy Madison until last year. Like when I was in believe my it, believe it or not, to this day I've never actually seen Billy Madison. You haven't? You oh, know, I think you should fix that. Yeah, no, you you got to rectify that because. I'm going to be, Brandon, you've seen Billy Madison, right? 
No, I haven't actually. Oh wow. Okay, so um, we're going to boy. So I guess Josh and I are going to kind of take you guys to school on it. And how appropriate of a fun. <laughs> I see what he did there. But um, <laughs> I had I had seen the next breakout role that we're about to go to after that. So oh yeah, we'll get we'll get, we'll get to that one. Okay, so uh, with Billy Madison, the plot is Adam Sandler is the degenerate son of a big rich rich guy. And it turns out that he has no life. He just sits around being a goofball. He's essentially a man child living in his rich daddy's mansion. And he's given a certain set of circumstances. He's told that he has to go, that it's revealed that he never really passed um, elementary school. And uh, someone chirps him for saying that he probably couldn't pass. And so the reality is he has to pass um, every grade that he dropped out of. And because he never went to school, he's a grown ass man going into the first grade, like uh, for a couple of weeks. And then he goes on to the second grade and then third grade and then fourth grade onward. So uh, this is regarded as a classic amongst 90s babies. Uh, this was a movie that a lot of 90s babies uh, hold dear to them. It's funny. It's got its really I think funny. The classic moments. is a little much. Yeah, um, I, the premise is a little is a little bonkers for me. Like, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, of uh, like man children concepts. Um, there are a few of them that are done right, but uh, yeah, for the most part, I am not a big fan of man children movies. So, but there are some good. Mo- my my favorite moment probably in all of Billy, Billy Madison is the end uh, where he. Uh, is in that uh, trivia contest and he gives the big speech and then um, they get uh, his his rival, uh, the guy trying to make sure that he has no future, basically just gives this big speech about how like, you know, every that was the worst thing you've ever said and everyone in this room is dumber. I award you no points and may God have mercy. And may God have mercy on your soul. Yeah, that became a meme, by the way. I'm pro- I'll see if I can- Oh, it, oh, it did. And the end itself is just hilarious. Uh, Suffice to say, um, there's a special, there's a, there's an uncredited cameo that there's something really funny. I'm just like, boy, am I glad that guy was there. Oh yeah. Um, are you referring to Chris Farley or someone else? Cause Chris Farley was the bus driver. In- I am not, but that is also a very fantastic cameo and something to note, uh, later on, when we get into the more modern stuff. Adam Sandler and Chris Farley were very close friends. Uh, in their time on SNL from that. And uh, his passing in 1996, I believe. Let me just double check the year. He passed in 1997, but that still affected Adam even to the present day. Which, side note, if you've you've watched his Netflix special 100% Fresh, that is a wonderful song he did. That is a wonderful song. But to go back to to my earlier point, classic when it comes to Billy Madison is a bit of a – it's not the right term I'd use. I'd say it's a above-average film. It's it's quite good at points, but it, it does start to introduce a lot of the tropes that would become pretty known when it comes to other Happy Madison films. Namely, you know, and he's he plays an adult character that acts like a kid, whether it's through the mannerisms or the voice, as you'll soon find out. But he still is able to work it into being a really lovable protagonist, and you'll want to see him succeed because by the end he realizes that just because he's in a position of, like, privilege and opportunity he he doesn't have to use it and i feel like he ultimately makes the right decision plus as a side note this was actually filmed in oshawa and marty and i have driven by uh what part of where the actual main house was filmed at which was really cool 
Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, the Parkwood Estate cool. is where it was where the uh, the exterior grounds were shot there. The interior was actually filmed in Casa Loma. I can believe that. Yeah, tons of stuff is filmed in Casa Loma. That's that's cool. Uh, the, the entrance was even filmed in King City, so it's like all the it's it's um, Toronto. It's not just for uh, big movies anymore. That's true. Yeah, um, he'll be he'll be coming back to Toronto like later in his film career to film uh, one of the better movies uh, that I actually think were under his name. So with that, with the Billy Madison, uh, it's interesting. You you so you wouldn't really say it, go as far as to call it a classic. I just I would I say just, it's it's good. It's good, but it's not like the best of his oeuvre. It it has its it has really good moments. It has really lackluster moments, but. It's worth a watch to see where, you know, everything started to gel. Plus, it's got Norm MacDonald in it, and you can't go wrong with Norm MacDonald. Ah, uh, that's true. Uh, the one last thing I'm going to say about Bill Madison before we officially move on is uh, some of the, the – in terms of jokes that didn't age well, uh, his love interest is his first-grade teacher. <laughs> I mean – Oh, we'll get back to Adam Sandler having a relationship with a teacher in about, oh, 17 years. Oh, Lord. God damn. You're, you're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So before we get into that schlock, he um, he actually his next big movie in the, the very next year in 1996 was I think my personal favorite Adam Sandler film, Happy Gilmore. That uh, one is. Yeah. So the plot of Happy Gilmore is as follows: a hockey player uh, is down on his luck and he plays golf to save his grandmother. Hilarity yes. ensues. Yeah. Hilarity. Yeah, I know. Hilarity ensues is the true sense of the word. I don't know. Like, it, the, the, the jokes just seem like even the offensive jokes, like, really pack a punch. And I just can't help but laugh. Um, I think for some reason, one of the funniest scenes in this movie for me is the scene where his big mentor, like, dies by a fluke. Um, that, that, that does usually happen in comedy movies where like the old man dies by a fluke like unexpectedly and so weird like you know it's happened in the in old school it happened in dodgeball and it happened in this one too yeah um I th yeah no, that's very funny um, can we just take a moment to acknowledge the fact that apollo creed is his trainer all right yeah, yeah. he actually plays apollo creed that is such a nice little bit of you know the whole oh and also that line it's all in the hips Remember that for a few years from now. Yeah. Um, you know, um, another funny story. Um, I heard the line, my friend, um, okay, so I had a friend who I grew up with who uh, he, I guess he knew that I didn't, have never seen uh, Happy, Happy Gilmore because uh, he used to go around whenever we were playing games and he would, you know, score points on me. He would say, yeah, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. Had I seen the movie, I would have rebuttaled, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of the, that's one of the biggest lines in the whole movie. Um, also, uh, the scene where he goes ballistic, and I just mean ape shit nuts on Bob Barker is a really <laughs> funny scene. Oh, man. That was funny. Oh, they also did like a, like a reshoot of that like many years later where they did this like thing at some of the award show or something like when, it's like uh, Adam Sandler is at the hospital visiting Bob, and he's wearing his uh, Boston Bruins jersey, uh, and they do like a fight. Did, did you guys see that? I have not, but I feel like I might have seen a glimpse of it. I'll, I'll send you guys a link later. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, no, that was uh, that sounds really funny. Uh, Brandon, what are your thoughts? Have you you've seen Happy Gilmore, right? 
I have actually. Oh yeah. Any thoughts on it? Yeah. Jump out at you. I remember some scenes from it, but I don't necessarily remember everything from. It. I remember his relationship with Chubbs. I. I remember definitely the funny moments, such as the one with Bob, the scene with Bob Barker. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, no, the Bob Barker scene kind of stands out. Um, so can be lost by to an old man, like yeah. Um, now uh, moving onward, um, he was uh, the next feature he did was a movie called Bulletproof, which I have not seen. Has anyone else heard Bulletproof? Bulletproof, yeah, from 1996. So, by the way, something to point out: from 1995 on, this guy would be doing like two theatrical movies a year. So, like, get used to going to see him at the theater twice a year for the next uh, for the next couple decades, seriously. Um, I have not seen mm -hmm. Bulletproof. I don't know much about it. Um, according to the plot, uh, two criminals, Keats and Moses, uh, end their friendship. When Keats turns out to be an undercover cop, many years later, the two are forced to work together when Keats is assigned to protect Moses as a witness. So yeah, I haven't seen Unfortunately, it. shit does not get real, like in Bad Boys 2. Oh, okay. Good to know. Let me put it to you this way. It has an 8% on Rotten Tomatoes for a good reason. Oh, okay. So this was like... What, what, Bad Boys 2? What, Bad Boys 2? No, Bulletproof. Oh. So I guess this is where, like, you know, while he... I find that weird that in the same year he goes from, like, a, a hit. But it is worth mentioning that at the time... Correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but at the time of its release, Happy Gilmore, like, wasn't a hit with... Crit it got, like, average critical reviews, but it wasn't, like, this monster hit. But today, it's kind of go gone down as, like, one of the better works of Adam Sandler. Yeah, I mean, if you look in, in on a side like Rotten Tomatoes, Happy Gilmore only has an approval rating of 61%, an average rating below 6. Right. But, yeah, clearly it's got, a, it's, got its fans for good reason, whereas... You know, as we go on, you notice that eventually he does the, the style of films he likes to do because he likes to do it. And I think he sort of accepted whatever role or whatever position he's going to be put in by yeah. the majority of the fan base, whichever it is. Yeah. And if anything, the approval rating is still higher than most of the movies that come up later on. Yeah, yeah we'll see how subjective that really is soon enough. Okay. So... Um, so 1997, I guess, was a year off for him because uh, his two he did two movies in 1998. The first one being The Wedding Singer. It, and this uh, was, yeah, the that was actually the very first Adam Sandler movie I ever saw. Oh yeah, well, because I'm I, your host, have yet to see The Wedding Singer. I'm probably going to rectify this uh, ASAP. But yeah, yeah no, watch it immediately. It's uh, I'd say this yeah, is my fact, favorite Sandler film. Fun oh, yeah. fact, fun fact, fun fact. Apparently, that movie because. It takes place in the '80s. That movie was actually in this is actually in the same universe as the Goldbergs because there was oh. an episode of the Goldbergs where they crossed over with the and with the Wedding Singer movie. That's oh. correct. Well, John Lovitz replayed the same character in this film as he does in the Goldbergs, and through the use of archival footage, they have uh, Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore, and of course the special guest, Mr. Billy Idol. Billy Idol, yeah. Nice. No why? Why? It, it's a nice day for white wedding. Cool. This film has one of my actually one of my favorite lines when I get left out of loop. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Once again, information that would have been useful to me yesterday. yesterday! <laughs> I love when the kid goes, comes in and goes, "Hey, Linda, you're a bitch." 
Okay. Ah, I can't say the darndest swears. I bet you had to see that movie because that, that, that scene will kill you. Like, the little boy just comes in and goes, Hey, Linda, you're a bitch. Okay, I, uh, I In terms this, of the, the character Adam Sandler plays is perhaps one of the most relatable outside of his, like, more serious turns. Because, you know, he's just an average wedding singer that, you know, hopes to get married one day and then he gets his heart broken and he becomes so cynical and depressed that it obviously takes a toll on his work performance until he meets Julia and he finds the love that he thought he'd never find again. And he realizes the only reason Glenn is with her is for money and nothing else. So, like, he, this is a kind of sensible protagonist. I I don't get that. I thought Glenn was the one with the money. Ah, it's been a while yeah. since I've seen. Oh yeah, no! Glenn wait, is apparently, the Glenn is always has, has, has ex, a fancy, I think. Sorry, Glenn has the fancy car. He's got the money, not everything. Awesome. But yeah, he still he still cheats on her and everything. And so I don't get why why he's with her. He's I had mixed it up. Holly, who is Julia's cousin, is telling Robbie that Julia is marrying Glenn for his money to deter him from pursuing her. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the fact you know also the. Uh, yeah, like Julia helping him like was a good good part of it. But also, I like to think that a small part of it was also taking a break from weddings and doing bar mitzvahs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And speaking of like doing weddings, the wedding band that he's that uh, Robbie's backed by is actually kind of it's they kind of have their own you know cult status in some ways, and I quite enjoy that. The two songs that everybody remembers from this movie are, of course, "Somebody Kill Me" when Robbie's at his most nihilistic. And grow old with you when he's at his most sentimental and romantic. Oh, yeah. that's cute. Um, it is. I have got to see the wedding singer. Uh, I've slacked Ooh, on it. Good. So, oh, it, it gets better. Apparently, they brought on Carrie Fisher to make the female part of the script more balanced. I can oh, believe. Yeah, I remember, I remember and even Judd Apatow performed an uncredited rewrite as, as, as along with Adam. I can believe that 100% because Carrie Fisher uh, has a rep, hat, was also, she could also script Doctor uh, quite a bit. Yeah, no, but that, well, that's wait, just Fisher, so fantastic. Carrie Fisher was in The Wedding Singer? No, she she was, uh, she was reworked the script, so she helped write it. Yeah, oh. no, she, she was a script Doctor. Uh, fun fact, the last movie she script Doctored before her death was The Last Jedi. And uh, I'm just imagining her flying through the galaxy like Superman again at that. Hey, I don't know. Take it. Maybe, maybe uh, Ryan Johnson kind of snuck that in. And maybe that was one of the things she vetoed. But I don't know. Uh, By the way, go watch our Star Wars episode if you want to hear our two cents on all that. A Uh, big part of the wedding singer is the chemistry between Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And while that will be revisited in future films, this is like the most natural you know, I think you. I've seen them because at this point, Drew Barrymore had been an established star for a while. But I feel like this is where this is the role that one of the roles she was meant to play. And I think this was either the year of or the year before Never Been Kissed, which also really was a was a big hit for her. Ah, uh, right. Um, yeah, uh, we will get back to Drew Barrymore in a bit. Uh, she she is awesome. Um, next up is uh, in 1998. Uh, he did The Water Boy. Um, I personally, another one that I have yet to see. Uh, it's it's all right. I, I would feel it's on Disney Plus because it was done by Touchstone. So yeah. that was the second Adam Sandler movie I ever saw. Oh yeah. Okay. What's the plot? It's essentially, uh, as Adam plays uh, 
Bobby Boucher Jr., who has a stutter, but he wants to, he's the water boy for the University of Louisiana football team, but he really does want to play football, but his mother is extremely overprotective, but he does end up actually being pretty good as, I think, a, a tackle. He has, he has, like, this, like, anger attitude, like, when he gets teased so much, so, like, so he brings all this anger out, and he's actually a really good player. One might say he would need anger management. Oh, Nice. But he, nice. he ends up being really good at football, and then he has to basically balance, you know, actually trying to help the team win uh, the championship game versus actually finally standing up to his mother, who, mind you, is played by Oscar winner Kathy Bates. Oh, nice. Misery. Cool. Misery. Um, Misery the comedy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, another one for my on my watch list. I'm just going to update my uh, letterbox watch list right now. <laughs> Okay, so the next one, going on to 1999, this one I have seen, Big Daddy. It's a very <laughs> heartfelt movie. He winds up with a, uh, a young boy, like a, uh, a six or seven-year-old boy in his custody, and Joey Lauren Adams uh, also goes on to be uh, the love interest, and there's a big... Uh, here he movie. is in your life. Yeah. Um, here, the, here he is in mine. Yeah. Unfortunately, they don't really have a sweet life most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, uh, Adams, I have seen Big Daddy once a long time ago. Um, it's got a, it's a very heartfelt movie. It's of course, you know, the last guy ever who should, who should have kids is, you know, placed, has a kid in his care. So hijinks ensue. Um, some of the jokes are a little cringy, but it does have its very heartfelt moments. So I would say this is one of the better ones. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was the first movie that Rob Schneider and Adam Sandler did together. Is it? I think so. I do remember. I, was, I do remember that was when that. I think this is the first time when Steve Buscemi played. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't this the first time when Steve Buscemi played his reoccurring uh, Adam Sandler character, uh, Crazy Eyes? That sounds right. Crazy yeah. Eyes. What? Uh, Crazy Eyes is a uh, okay. So sometimes Adam Sandler. We'll get into this in the in the next decade, but Adam, we're just gonna say be upfront about this. Adam Sandler has tons of friends. Oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, he, he plays the homeless The guy. Sandler crew is down with the homies. Yeah, no. So Adam Sandler has a whole troop of, of comedy actors that he invites on all his movies. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And, I, I know you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, Steve Buscemi is, is part of this alumni, and we will get to him uh, later on. But, um, and yeah, Crazy Eyes is just this weirdo who Steve Buscemi plays. And I think it was because, like... I think it, it, it basically Steve Buscemi's already unusual facial structure looks even weirder. So that's really all I have yeah, to say. He plays a homeless yeah, guy. Who, he plays a homeless guy who actually chose to live on the streets because he, he said it was either that or go go to military school and be trained by his father. Right. Like, and he to live on the streets. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, he did this from this point in, in 1999, uh, he had a support. He, he did, uh, this is speaking of, wait, Rob wait, Schneider, wait, Evan, you're forgetting the most important part. Oh, which part? Which John Stewart, we miss you. Oh yeah. That's true. Yeah. Please come back. Oh, maybe you don't need to come back to TV, but it was one of the few moments where you could say, yeah, one of the best late night guys was in an Adam Sandler movie. That's right. Yeah. It, and it, it was good. Yeah. It has been a yeah, while. Yeah, mentioning this one uh, recently. Yeah, because I just I just watched this one recently, and she was mentioning um, Steve Buscemi's homeless character, saying that yeah, he, yeah, he kind of goes, he kind of appears in several roles, and I was thinking 
he he kind of is an ongoing ongoing star in the movies, except he's not all never. He's very rarely the number one guy. Right. Stay tuned for the ongoing adventures of Crazy Eyes. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so uh, moving on. Um, in the year two thousand. Year two thousand. Right. And thus begins Happy Madison Productions. So, so wait. So that's a good point, Josh. Where did Happy Madison Productions, a co- obviously a combination of Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison, uh, two of his mo- two of uh, his most famous characters, just combined into one name for a production company? When did that officially kick off? The first official Happy Madison produced film is Deuce Bigelow Male Gigolo, and from there, every single movie well almost every single film adam sandler would star in until the netflix years would be produced by happy madison even the ones that were not distributed by columbia pictures and this is where adam sandler was getting so big that he could produce his own work and like co-write his own and his friends work oh yeah that's well we'll get into that a little bit so um in 2000 uh his lead next leading role was little nicky i have not seen this don't worry. I, I know. Me, like, I know. I keep saying like I haven't seen like a, I've only seen like three of his movies from the nineties. But don't worry. In the next couple decades, I've seen quite a bit of his work to have some say in him. But uh, I, uh, I'd say Little Nicky is actually worth a watch. I mean, it's not the best or well aged movie by any means. But you know, I mean, yeah, it, an Adam Sandler character that has a speech impediment. Where have I seen that before? But the uh, character is just. Imagine if you were the youngest child of three kids and, you know, you were born in hell and you're just trying to exist, but then you have to stop your two older brothers from literally taking over the world. And uh, also to save your dad, this, the Lord of Darkness, Satan, who's played by Harvey Harvey Cattell. And then you have to save the world with the help of a talking bulldog and Alan Covert. Wait, what's the movie called? Little Me? Little, Little Nicky. Little Nicky, yeah. oh. But um, it's just, it's kind of amazing just the the... It's kind of bonkers in its premise, but just the the sheer lunacy of it, 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 it ends up working pretty well at times. Some of the side characters that are in here are worth watch, but you're, you're going to know from the soundtrack that this is very much a movie that came out in late 2000 because there is a lot of new metal and alt rock from that time. Starting uh, off with literally the song you first hear, you hear in the credits and at the beginning of the movie, and that is P.O.D.'s School of Hard Knocks. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, Brad, and, Brandon, it, and it goes on like this. Yeah, Brandon, have you seen Little Nicky? I haven't actually. I've never, I've never even heard of that one. Actually, I, oh, I yeah. think you might like it. Okay, cool. Uh, plus, uh, plus, we have Academy Award winning Academy Award winner for Best Supporting Actress, Patricia Arquette. Oh, nice, cool. Um, so yeah, uh, that's yeah, uh, yeah, that's cool. Um, the next thing, uh, next thing he did in the year 2001 was a movie called The Animal, uh, in which he plays a guy named Townie. Again, another one I haven't seen. Uh, let me put it, let me put it to you this way. You don't need to go after The Animal because it was in that weird phase where the first season of Survivor had just ended and everyone loves Colleen. So it was like, quick, cast her in a movie. Yeah. Doesn't matter the quality of the movie. Just put her in a movie quick. Oh shit. This was another Colleen again. This was yeah, a, Brandon I, being the resident Survivor fan, well, me and him know all too well about the post-season one hype. Oh, yeah? Well, I, I The Animal actually uh, was uh, a Rob Schneider-led movie, so, because uh, at least he's he's the lead. I guess Adam Sandler was kind of like, you know, 
helping his friend out uh, with this movie. Um, but then, so yeah, 2001 was kind of a slow year. He didn't have And then we get to 2002 and everything changes. Yes. The, the first time Adam Sandler is proven to carry a dramatic role is Paul Thomas Anderson's Punch Drunk Love. Um, what a great film. Yeah. Uh, who wants to recount the plot of this? Because um, once again, um, I, I've been, it's one of those like movies that people like their jaws drop when I haven't seen it, but I've been told to watch it for many years. I, I'll, I, I think you, you'd really like it. So Adam Sandler plays this guy named Barry who has a, has a lot of social anxiety and he's been pretty lonely. And, but then, you know, he has an outburst one day and essentially as a result, he calls a phone sex line to cope with his impending loneliness, but then he ends up with a bunch of people trying to extort him and like, you know, they're after him, but then he meets this woman and, you know, they have a relationship. Meanwhile, he's trying to amass a million uh, air miles or frequent flyer miles by buying a lot of pudding. And yes, that is actually part of the thing. Oh, okay. It, it kind of, but, that, uh, that plot, that plot, that plot kind of reminds me of uh, Jason Reitman's Up in the Air that stars George Clooney because he had a similar. I thing. can see that. Yeah, this, this is basically instead of Up in the Air, it's Down on the Ground. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, so that, it's a really nice relationship they have. In fact, he and Emily Watson play off each other really well. And the fact that essentially the main villain is Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace is a really interesting payoff. Ah, right. Well, yeah, I think it's, it's worth giving a chance. It's the first serious Sandler role, not the last, but it definitely shows that, like, he can actually have some levity to his acting ability when he wants to. Okay. So now, uh, for the next little bit, we're getting into uh, movies that I have seen. Uh, so the mid-2000s were, like, I really started to get familiar with Adam Sandler. <clears throat> Hey, kids, have you ever seen a Frank Capra film before? Well, you're about to. Kind of. Yeah, all right. In remake form. Yeah, his, um, uh, the next, he went back to comedy in, uh, also in 2002 with Mr. Deeds, which is indeed a remake. The plot is, um, a big, a, a big billionaire, a New York billionaire, uh, dies climbing a mountain and his only living heir he lives in uh, a, a tiny town in New Hampshire called Mandrake Falls. It's this nice little country town that no one's ever heard of. But um, Longfellow Deeds is uh, – Adam Sandler just runs the pizzeria there. And um, he's a small towner and then he is called off to the big city to inherit this fortune. But he's the most laid back guy ever and he's the nicest guy ever. This is another thing. Up till this point, Adam Sandler plays kind of, you know, unstable, jerky characters. I think this is the first time where he actually plays a really sweet soul, and it's nice to watch. And, of course, because the media is obsessed with, you know, portraying New York's elite in a negative light, um, he is stalked by this reporter played by Winona Ryder who tries to um, is is genuinely out. She pretends to be someone she's not, so she can get dirt on him. But uh, eventually, uh, she falls in love with him. So that and that. So that's uh, that's actually one of the better parts of the story. Yeah. But it uh -huh. does it does get to a really uh -huh. sad point where you you just watch the media go after this guy, and it, it's a really poignant uh, examination of our culture too. I remember parts of that movie. Uh, the one part I actually always remember is the scene like with the butler played by John, what's his name? John Turturro. John Turturro. 
John Travolta, yeah, yeah. So oh uh, yes, before Transformers changed his like, career, where he shows his like basically dead foot. Uh, how he? Oh uh, yes, that part. How he can't, What happened to his foot? Like, what was that? Like, essentially, it was a severe case of frostbite to the point where that foot feels no pain. Right. Yeah. I. I. No. 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 I feel no pain. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Tolerance tapestry. Yeah. We'll get to that. Oh. We'll, definitely get to that. we'll definitely get to that one later. Yeah, I liked. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's basically. Yeah, sorry. That's basically the only scene I remember with the frostbite that he keeps whacking the foot, and yeah, it's really all I remember. Yeah, no, he he pretends to he like uh, because the foot feels no pain. He just he uh, deeds keeps telling him to just whack the shit out of it, and uh, he does. Let's enjoy it, and it's really funny. Um, and he there's a really funny fake out that uh, we'll get into. Um, so, um, oh, and, oh, I forgot, Ugh. he did something else. It, okay, in 2002, he, he did three movies. He did Punch Drunk Love, Mr. Deeds, and the third one was his first jab, stab at a holly, at a holiday film. Oh, God. You eight know, Crazy Nights. Eight Crazy Nights. Eight Crazy Nights. I'm going to be completely uh, honest. Yeah, I know Josh and I are already cringing because, uh, with... All of you, with you gentlemen being Jewish and I being half Jewish, I just have to say, I am appalled that Eight Crazy Nights is the most renowned Hanukkah movie out there. Like, don't get me wrong. No, 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 no. The true Hanukkah movie is the Rugrats Hanukkah special, and I will not hear otherwise. Okay, no, good. Thank you. Because, but it's They like, also have dibs on Passover. Yeah, yeah but, but- so the, the, Passover is one, the Passover one's always a classic. Yeah, but here's the, the point th- is, this is not a Hanukkah movie. This is a Hanukkah farce. It, oh, God. Yeah, it is. So the plot is basically Adam Sandler, after playing this lovable soul in Mr. Deeds, he goes back to playing a low-life jerk who can't get his life together. Oh, with did I mention this is, ha- this is hand-drawn animation? Like, he scored a deal with uh, an animation company to literally draw all these characters. And this means the he can get away with more offensive visual gags. Like the lady with three boobies and uh, Whitey looking disfigured. And, uh, yeah, no, the plot is basically he's this lowlife who needs to get his life together. An old man called Whitey and his sister help him get back on his feet. And he treats the, this poor, this, these poor old siblings like absolute garbage. It's a, it, it gets very mean-spirited. I will say the only good part about the movie is the end where um, – he uh they they sing uh bombidi bam bam and it's uh yeah bombidi bombidi yeah it's a really good song it's a good song and it, it just shows like how this character actually learns something so but to get through that movie you have to sit through like an hour and 20 minutes of literal shit and like this is this is where like you know the gross out humor is some of the nastiest and raunchiest i've seen in an adam sandler movie and it's so and it's so bizarre that uh, like all these big brand names uh, are portrayed in the movie, like for product placement purposes. And like uh, I got to hand it to Doug Walker, you know, a, a critic I don't normally agree with that often. But he did point out when he reviewed the movie, like were all these brands comfortable, really comfortable attaching their name to a, a movie of this offensive nature? And like. I guess, you know, money talks, so yeah. But as to my point, I'm glad that there is another uh, Hanukkah movie out there that you consider a classic, but 
The Rugrats Hanukkah special and Eight Crazy Nights are the only two Hanukkah movies that I know of to this day. Because, like, I'm sure there have been Hanukkah movies, like, made elsewhere, but in terms of, like, Hollywood Hanukkah productions, it, the holiday doesn't nearly get as much uh, cinematic attention as Christmas films do. Now, there are some great... Uh, can I say something? Sorry. There, there's one particular Hanukkah special I always remember. Uh, you guys remember uh, Lamb Chop? I oh, was yeah. about to say that that is actually a national treasure. Yes, okay. the Hanukkah Except Lamb they're Chop. they're all gone uh, now. Starring, uh, Sherry, uh, Alan Thicke, God rest his soul, Lloyd... Yeah. What's his name, Garvis? And Mr. Miyagi from Karate Kid. Pat Morita. Nice. I also forgot to mention the Disney Channel original movie from 2003, Full Court Miracle. All right. Yeah. You ever wonder what would happen if young Tarzan was at a Jewish boarding school and they tried to win the championship? Ah, okay. Oh, Uh, unless we forget um, the whole, the badassness of the Hebrew hammer. Right. Anyways. So the point I was trying to make was... Can you tell we want to talk about any other movie other than this? Yeah, no, we need to... Yeah, no, yeah, we really do. We need more good Hanukkah movies. And I'm so annoyed that Eight Crazy Nights seems to be the one Hanukkah movie that is unfortunately the first thing people think of when people think of Hanukkah movies. Compared to the other Christmas movies, because there's there's horrible, shocking Christmas movies, I'm looking at you, Christmas with the Cranks. But In fact, they become so synonymous, the Hallmark Channel and W Channel, they just air them in the summer, because they're uh, so synonymous. Yeah, those, those movies are like, so, so pointless. Like it's li- It is literally the same story in every movie. Guy meets girl, guy and girl does some, has, does some things. Boy meets girl, and, and the plot like, is basically no, no, nothing. Let me say Guy meets girl, the guy and girl does something together, and then they have like a little fight, and then they kiss and make up, that's it. That's, so that's in other it. words, the plot of every rom-com ever made. But like this this is like exactly the same, like it's really weird. It's right. On a, on a related note in terms of voice acting, you know the Sprouse twins were in uh, Eight Crazy Nights too? They were? They voiced the toy soldiers in the uh, Have Yourself a Cry song. Oh, okay. And oh. it did give us a newer version of the Hanukkah song over the closing credits for for what's for what that's worth. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, I forgot to mention this movie is also a musical. On top of being a really gross and really offensive romp, it's a musical. And uh, the there's only one good song, like, two good songs if you count the rent. The rent. I mean, credit to Rob Schneider. I think the only thing he does. Oh wait, no, he narrates any plays. Mr. Chang. They're like, oh, if you only just narrated it, you would have gotten out of this just fine. Yeah. Oh, speaking of a voice work, it's apparent that when Adam Sandler tries to do uh, voice acting, there's only like three voices he can do. He, it's his old man voice where he's this old whiny man and the, and the female equivalent of that. But we will, that will come into play in about 10 years when he has to play a woman on film. Oh, and then there's a movie that's like nice this where on. they're all done at the same time. Yeah. Dude, that's dead on. Nice job. Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, that Those are like the – Adam Sandler uh, can only do like two or three other voices. He's no Robin Williams when it comes to voice. Oh, it's, and speaking of the animation, I'm looking here, and this was done by 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 different animation studios. How is that possible? Outsourcing – Oh God! Yeah, can we? Yeah, yeah. also hilarious. Look, the point is, I know we aren't talking about Channel Awesome related stuff that much anymore, but like the fact that you know 
the episode Doug did on Eight Crazy Nights, I think in 2016 or 17, like that that gives you more information about. Um, yeah, yeah. Honestly, just uh, yeah, no, just go watch other people's reviews of it. Um, we've seen it. We don't like it. It's bad. Fuck this movie. Eight Crazy Nights is not worth one average night. It is not. No, you'll you will wait. You will waste one night watching Eight Crazy Nights. Fuck this movie for being the worst representation of Hanukkah movies. Promote uh, that uh, those other Hanukkah movies you mentioned, like uh, the Hanukkah Chris, the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Yeah, no, make that the most renowned Hanukkah movie. Moving on uh, to 2003. Oh, this is a good. This is one I actually. It wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be, but case in point, anger management. Plot is. As, uh, uh, he said it. He said it. Adam Sandler plays Adam Sandler. That's another thing. Uh, he says Adam Sandler is one of those comedians where he's essentially playing the same guy in most of the movies he's in. There are exceptions like with Punch Drunk Love and uh, and uh, with stuff like Rain Over Me, which we'll get into later. But um, yeah, so uh, Anchor Management. He's Adam Sandler plays himself where he's basically on a plane where for a business trip and over a dispute involving headphones, uh, the, he uh, gets into shit with the air marshal and he, when he gets on the ground, he is instruct, he is court ordered to undergo anger management therapy. And his coach is a crazy yeah, guy yeah. played by Jack Nicholson. Um, Jack Nicholson makes this movie for me. I think the plot is kind of lame. Like, because the pl to, uh, full spoiler alert, the plot of this movie essentially amounts to it was all the whole conflict of the movie where him getting him getting mad on the plane. It was all a setup to get him to lighten up a little in life. Like, I thought that was such a bad cop out, but how it got there has its funny moments. Like with um Jack Nicholson being his uh his court ordered coach. Um, there's a part of the funniest part of the movies where they are kind of chained at the hip where they have to live together and they have to go everywhere together. Um, the, the funniest scene, the two funniest scenes in the movie are when, um, uh, Adam Sandler makes Jack Nicholson breakfast and then, uh, Jack Nicholson acts for eggs over easy. And then he chucks the plate at the wall unsatisfied screaming, I said over easy. And then he just reverses back think to. Jack was trying to get a little bit of a Kubrick dig in there. Yeah, and it's like, now why did I do that? And so he just goes from horribly angry to calm in a matter of seconds, and that was funny to this watch. This is just a shining in reverse. Yeah, no, I I, th I really think so. And then the other funny part was when uh, when Adam is losing his temper at traffic on the bridge into Manhattan for work. Uh, like uh, Jack Nicholson yanks the car keys and just says, "We're gonna sing West Side Story," and then um, basically the traffic's going to get it tonight. Yeah, and tonight. then there's one, then there's one scene where um, he's just like uh, where they get yelled at by uh, angry drivers who are who are getting lit or are delayed because of him, and then Jack Nicholson just goes breaks character as this nice, serene, you know peaceful coach to like yelling shut your pie hole we're working here so 
like it, 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 the way I'm kind of phrasing is it kind of feels like I love this movie, but I act like I said before, I actually don't think this movie was quite as good as I thought it was going to be, but it still had its funny moments. Uh, Jack Nicholson carried the movie. But thank yeah, like if anything, the most redeeming thing, if you think about it, it's like Jack Nicholson playing that part was just the perfect actor to have as that co-star in that. Yeah. And Adam Sandler, like, big talent. Adam Sandler, as, as an actor slash producer, big actors are, like, a phone call away from him at this point in his career. So uh, we'll see where that goes. Um, like, look, even look at anger management. You, Marissa Tomei is in this. You've got Woody Harrelson. You have an uncredited John C. Riley. You have various cameos from, like, celebrities that are known for having anger issues. John McEnroe. Uh, I guess you could say Roger Clemens. Bob Knight. Right. And of course, the final role of one Carmen Sandiego Warden, the Warriors Queen, Miss Lynn Thigpen. Rest in peace. Ah, uh, right, yes. As she was the judge. Oh, that's right, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, kudos to all of them. Yeah, no, the cast in this movie is outstanding. I will give I should really stars. watch this in full. I, I can't remember if I've seen it before, but it looks like it's not terrible. It's, I would say, it's not a great example of Adam Sandler's work, but it's not his work. It's 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 not his best, but it's far from his worst. Um, the, I had some fun with it. A uh, bit of a lame story, but other than that... Hey, uh, is anyone getting any sort of deja vu? I feel like I'm going to grab a ukulele over here and start tuning it as we go to the next year. Oh, yeah. So in 2004, um, he's in Hawaii with Drew Barrymore yeah. again. 51st yeah, I've seen, I've seen, that, I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie so many times. Like... Uh, Many years ago, during the summertime, I watched that movie so many times at the college. Yeah, um, this is a the plot <laughs> of this movie is really sweet. It's it's actually it, it's um it's both heartfelt and hilarious. So, so I would say this is one of his better ones. Uh, the plot is he meets this gore. He's this uh, sailor slash boat repairman who meets this gorgeous woman who comes in and orders. Uh, no, he's a vet. He's a vet. He's a He's a vet who says says sea animals. Oh right, that he's a vet. I just remember like um, he's constantly fixing uh, Rob Schneider's boat. So I kind of it's his it's his, it's his boat because he's go, he's he's planning to go out and see for a whole year to study walruses. Ah yes, that's that's right. Yeah yeah. Uh, now it's coming back I guess, to me. I've seen the movie many I, times. I know the whole plot. I've only seen this movie twice. So the bare basis of it is he's a vet who meets this gorgeous woman. Fortunately, when and he, he scores date number two instantly. Unfortunately, uh, she doesn't remember him. Um, she doesn't remember him at all the next day. And the reason for that is she was in a terrible accident that caused her to have a short-term memory disability. Where um, every time she goes to bed, uh, she can she's essentially reliving. It's kind of like Groundhog Day, except for her, it's a mental disorder and not an actual like mythical phenomenon. She is essentially reliving the same day over and over again, and she doesn't know it. Um, but the but I so you think that naturally at first it's really funny because Adam Sandler essentially just like in Groundhog Day, Adam Sandler essentially um abuses the shit out of the fact that he she can't remember him and pretends to be someone new every single day and um then when her dad and her, and brother played by Sean Astin catch on to this crap Samwise Gamzee Samwise Gamzee Yes Samwise Gamgee indeed um 
they yeah oh this came out the same year uh that uh return of the king came out and i find that hilarious because his character in this movie is the polar opposite of samwise the brave so 51st fellowships yeah some like tough guy with with a steroid problem yeah no um but yeah it's the dark ending yeah So so the so essentially uh, once they get past the hilarity, they actually have to figure out, okay, I really love this girl, but I want her to love me back. So how can we make this work? It is very heartfelt. Uh, how, with, they, they, they explore how they make uh, it work with her having this disability that she's probably never going to get over or will get over uh, very slowly. Um, They figure out a way to make it work, and how it gets there is very heartfelt to watch. So I would say one of the better uh, Happy Madison slash Adam Sandler productions. The next movie he did in uh, oh wait sorry hey hey hey, hey. you're for, you're forgetting about that wonderful soundtrack where Three Eleven covered the Cure. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh uh, is going to be like our resident soundtrack. Uh, the choices of covers are kind of odd because well, for first thing, they have two Cure covers: one by Three Eleven, the other by the frontman of Alien Ant Farm, Dryden Mitchell. Oh, yeah. To mixed results. There's, there's some interesting choices, but, I mean, I can understand it because the gimmick is Sandler's character sings to her to, like, help her sort of remember. Yeah, that's true. And I remember the one song that eventually she's also a painter, and there's one uh, scene where she uh, – he it occurs to him that uh, she remembers him because she – one day out of sequence, like, she sings uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice by the Beach Boys, and uh, that's the big song that's like, oh, she remembers me. Uh, how, how nice the Beach Boys? How nice that man to give me a CD that reminds me of all the beautiful times I share with his daughter. Yeah. What an asshole! <laughs> Beach Boys cures all. Yes. Um, mm, anyways, so sure. by the way, uh, complete. Uh, by the way, I made a little error. I was I thought this movie came out in 2003. No, Return of the King came out in 2003. So this came out right after Return of the King. Like in the again, this is the alternate dark ending of the Lord of the Rings, where Samwise comes back with so much PTSD he relocates to Hawaii. Yeah, I didn't know there was gonna be. I didn't know there was gonna be a urine test, Mr. Frodo. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Um, the next movie he did in 2004 was Spanglish. I anyone actually a really nice film. I haven't seen this, despite it being a bomb. Oh, so would you say it's the gist of it is he's the dad of this family where there's a um a woman who is applying to well it starts with a this woman Christina who applies to Princeton and so she then has to apply. She tells the story of when her mother basically illegally emigrated to America. And became a nanny for a family, where Adam Sandler is the father. Oh, okay. It, so it's I, it's nice. It has its moments. Nice. Uh, I'll have to check it out. Uh, any any other of you have seen Spanglish, Branner or David? I have not. Uh, no. Okay. Moving on. 2005, The Longest Yard. Uh, this was. Um, yeah. I, I actually, thanks to Brandon, I actually saw this for the first time last year uh, in its entirety. Plot is. Yeah. He is a uh, he's a football player who gets sent to jail for uh, for uh, DUI, and um, in jail he essentially has to work the prison football team into shape. And apparently, this just like Mr. Deeds, The Longest Yard was also a remake. Yes, of these of and of course you can't have a remake of a Burt Reynolds film from '74 without getting the man for the remake. And that's exactly what they did. 
Now, the interesting thing about the remake is the fact that on the poster, you see Chris Rock right behind him, and his character gets killed off, I think, like, near the end of the movie. Oh, right. Yeah, no, I've only seen this once. Uh, I do remember that, though. And then um, and then we have cameos from such people as Nelly, Terry Crews, and Mr. Bill Goldberg. Oh, yeah. I do remember. Yeah, also, I remember also Tracy Morgan. But it's interesting. It's like they actually they have some some good charisma. I mean, of course, Goldberg is Goldberg, so he's going to be good in anything. But um, I, I hadn't heard of the remake before the first film. I've not seen the original Longest Yard, so I should definitely check that out. But I, I feel like this 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 sort of this is sort of a vibe that fits Sandler. I mean, this was also co-produced by MTV Films, so being something MTV affiliated in the mid two thousands, think take of that what you will. Seeing Terry Crews in this, though, was interesting because it was so different from anything else that I had seen Terry Crews in just this role. Yeah. Whereas, like, in other roles, I've seen him in a lot of comedies. This one was a much more angry role than I'm used to from Terry Crews. So it was, it was very Definitely. interesting. And especially since Terry will be in at least one or two other Happy Madison films going forward. But, like, this was the beginning of he has actually some serious dramatic chops as well as the comedic ones that we'd see in both later Happy Madison films and also later TV roles. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, and not to mention we've got uh, Diesel and Stone Cold as guards. Yeah. yeah. Kevin Nash and Steve Austin are guards. And also uh, the boss, Brian Bosworth. Yeah. That's true. Sports people will get these references, I'm sure of it. Ah, uh, right. Yeah. Um, but I did love the relationship between Adam Sandler and Chris Rock's character in this because I feel like it just worked well, it gelled well together. And you, f you feel for Chris Rock's character in the moment that uh, Caretaker gets killed. Yeah. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris uh, James Cromwell was uh, the warden in this movie, who was also the villain, right? I believe so. Yeah, he was. Um, then there was uh, okay, so that's the longest yard. Uh, in two thousand five, he also had an uncredited part in the sequel to Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo. I remember seeing TV spots for this back in the day, and it looked like shite. I I'm glad I didn't see it. It is not worth remembering. Neither of them are worth remembering. Yeah, now, that was another like Rob Schneider led uh, romp. Um, do you feel like now is a good time to talk about the other like Happy Mads and stuff that he necessarily produced, but not necessarily? Well, yeah, because when starting in 2006, it becomes very apparent that Adam Sandler understandably likes to take some time off every now and then between films, and his troupe is more than happy to pick up the slack. As the first film of 2006 in Happy Madison Stable is Grandma's Boy. Yes, um, I have to be honest. Um, Who's I, I saw this for the first time uh, last year as well, uh, thanks to... I saw this years ago. It was not good then. It's not good now. Um, I will just say, um, I don't, I'm not a big fan of gross-out humor, but um, I remember the 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 guy who was... It, this this actor who was in uh, Avatar and Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, was the villain in this movie as like this uh, emo, like, gothic game designer... Well, sorry, Goth and Emo aren't the same thing, but he's like this really gothic game designer, this complete edgelord. And uh, grandma, his grand, it's about this loser game designer who lives with his grandma. And the grandma is played by the Worst mother thoughts. from Any Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah. May she rest in peace. 
Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. That is true. Uh, she's a great character. Um, the premise is, I feel like, the, who's the name of the, I keep forgetting his name. Like, this guy didn't do a whole lot, but it, it's the guy who, I feel like this Adam Sandler could have played the lead, but, because if it really feels like the guy is acting in the, the part of a character that Adam Sandler You mean play. longtime Sandler stable Alan Covert? Alan Covert, yeah. I don't under I don't know why I just can never see him in like the lead. I don't I don't know how he's able to carry a movie, but you know he he did a decent job with this. Um, and uh, I did find uh, the ending to be a bit anticlimactic, where he kind of just loses all hope and just uh, he's also a crazy ass stoner, so he just gets high like crazy. And uh, the foreshadowing with some of the stuff in this movie not 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 uh, helped by the fact that we have a. One future Apatow stable, Mr. Jonah Hill, in this. Right, yeah. yeah. Around the same time Superbad had just blown up. This the weed stuff you will start to see is carry over into Happy Madison much as it does with the Frat Pack era uh, of yes. comedy films. That's Seth Rogen and Jane Franco's uh, well. team. Uh, Remember so those you, names. Oh, yeah. So, uh, and uh, in, so, that, so Grandma's Boy, you know, a... Adam Sandler film without Adam Sandler comes in, but Adam Sandler... How about we get to the reason why most people came to this? Yes. Now, um, the next movie that um, I actually... This movie is widely regarded. If you thought all the... Let's assume you were one of these audience members that thought Adam Sandler was great, and then 2006 is the year where after 2006, he, he just started making complete schlock after that. But a lot of people point to Click as the quote-unquote the last good Adam Sandler movie and I can't help but agree uh not only do I think this is good I may may go even as far as to say it's great because the first half uh, is your typical Adam Sandler happy Madison comedy with crazy product placement and shout the second half the second yeah. half you just can't take because it's so sad you know, the second half is something that it I goes off the rails, see. but then it also like just it just plunges straight down into super dark territory. Yeah, like the, the scene. There are two scenes where I actually forget that I'm watching a comedy, let alone an Adam Sandler comedy. The scene where yeah, uh, the scene where he he has to he 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 missed his father's death, so he uses the he, the plot. Oh, uh, where I'm getting a little ahead of myself. The plot of the movie is. He is a guy who a crazy store. Totally salesman. not Doc Brown, played by Christopher Walken. Yeah, I know. Uh, a crazy store salesman at Bed Bath and Beyond gives him a universal remote control. But the the catch is, uh, just like the movie Clockstoppers, you know, we have the watches that can stop time at will. The TV remote literally controls life like it's a movie. Like you get this thing. This is what happened. It sounds cool, but there's a horror to it. What happens is this universal remote control, if you press pause at something, it will freeze. Uh, if like, you pause so, in the game, you pause for real. Yeah, no, there's a scene where he pauses uh, the uh, he pauses what he thinks is a documentary to talk to his wife, and his wife is completely frozen, and at first he doesn't catch on. Um, but uh, he figures it out when uh, he uses it on his dog. And uh, he uses like the mute button and the fast forward button, and he can't believe it at first. Um, but yeah, high, classic Adam Sandler hijinks ensue. But the, the twist is eventually the more stuff he fast forwards through and the more stuff he mutes, like 
eventually he gets to a point where he's fast forwarding through so many things that as soon as some the same thing comes up in life later on, it fast forwards automatically because the remote programs itself. Oh God, the remote's machine learning. Yeah, no, this means that uh, because he fast forwarded through uh, quality time with his family, every time there's a family get together, it fast forwards through it. Every time he actually wants to have sex with his wife, played by the gorgeous Kate Beckinsale, it, he fast he he fast forwarded through sex one time, so that means whenever he wants to get it on again, it automatically fast forwards. Oh, the horror! And every yeah, I, time. Think I think the problem I think the problem happened when you when he fast forwarded through a whole year just to get that promotion. So that that's when it all started. Yeah, you know? no, he didn't. But this isn't really an excuse, and it doesn't justify what he did, but. He was under the impression that he was going to be promoted in a couple of months, not a year, but he didn't think that through. So he fast forwards to his promotion and he misses a whole year of his life. And then it starts programming itself from there and his marriage falls apart. And then the real horror of it is when his boss very casually says, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you wound up being our CEO one day. And then the second he says, oh, I would love for that to happen, the remote beeps. It's and like it, Google saying, did you mean this? Yeah, no, it, 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 sling, it catapults him 10 years into the future. And uh, of course, there are some there are a couple of cheap jokes about like what life in New York City is going to be like in the year 2017. Oopsie, because we already lived through the year 2017. Oops. And, no, there's a there's a radio station that plays. Okay, in news today on February 24th, 2017, Britney Spears had her 23rd baby today. Proud father Kevin Federline is now considering getting a job. Also, Michael Jackson, the first human to clone himself, is now suing himself or molesting himself. I'm like, God, those jokes didn't age well. Because Michael Jackson died in real life circa 2009, and Britney was actually getting her shit together career-wise in the year 2017. In 2016, she had a, a new album. Like I said, it's what recent, happens when you're trying to be In recent news, her father's going to back off now. Supposedly. Hashtag free Britney. Hashtag free Britney, indeed. Yeah, so Just we're going to kind of an odd duck at times. We're, we're, we're digress. So I guess we've, I take it we've all seen this movie and there's all an appreciation for it that we all seem to share because uh, this movie is, uh, it, it takes itself like really seriously in the last half and it sh teaches a really valuable lesson about not putting your work before your life because the guy's a workaholic and he is fast forwarding to get to his work, but he's fast forwarding through his family, which is especially unhealthy. in the last year and a half. I think click may actually have taken on some new meeting because with a lot more people working from home and just working so much that, I mean, look at, as of this recording, we're almost in September of 2021 and it didn't feel like that long ago that it was just like March. So where did the last 18 months go? I have no idea, but it's click is basically, you know, be careful what you wish for because you might get it tenfold. Oh, yeah. Uh, like I said, th there are two scenes that make me completely forget that I'm watching a comedy, specifically the scene where he is he essentially is playing rewound footage from his life where uh, he plays the scene where the last time he sees his dad played by the amazing Henry Winkler. And it is a scene that. As an adult, I actually cried the last time I watched it. It's it's very powerful. 
There's also uh, also the scene where he literally is die. Adam Sandler's character literally. That dies. that is there's a lot of emotional strength in that scene. Yeah, no, he, like, no. He, there's a scene where his character literally dies or is dying, and he is literally like crawling as he's dying. He's crawling out to talk to his son, played by Dustin Hoffman's son, and he basically uses his last breath to tell his son. Do not like family comes first. Don't make the family comes first. And because I think there's two things. Yeah, I think there's two things. Sorry, sorry, Brandon. I think there's two things I would take from this plot line. One, the darkness of the actual story itself actually creates for honestly maybe one of the better plot lines of Adam Sandler's movies. Yeah, and also the other thing I would take from it is thank God and hopefully in the future. Robots do not take over the Earth. Uh, and number three, Terry Crews is amazing. That's true. All right, yeah, he's, he's the dude. I believe he's the one where he is singing along to a thousand miles. Yeah, he's singing working for the weekend. And then, Which one is it that he's singing a thousand miles then? This is an aside, but I'm like, yeah. I could have sworn that's a different... Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's White Chicks. That is a completely different... The Wayans Uber is one I'm not familiar with, but... Uh, I just realized Christopher Walken is not Doc Brown. He act, he actually may have been the proto-Rick. Oh, my God. Rick and Morty and Happy Madison are connected. Oh, God. Well, he, yeah, no, uh, his character is named Morty, oddly enough. And Oh, no. And the That's reason, where I got the idea from. And guess what? Oh, God. In... Uh, more he's sort uh, he's called Morty because he's named after the literal angel of death and later in the movie it turns out Morty is the angel of death so um, I, mean, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't lie if they ended Rick and Morty with that twist I'd be okay with that yeah and by the way if you're an audience member who has not yet seen Click and we I, I kind of gave away a big chunk of the movie uh, it actually if you hate the it was all a dream cop out this is a one. This is one of the rare instances where I was actually really, really relieved to see it was all a dream. Because when you think his life is over and he's die and he dies, he wakes up in the Bed Bath and Beyond two. The one of the only good parts I've ever seen Nick Swardson in. Um, so uh, because yeah. he's not on screen for very long. Thankfully, Nick Swardson's part in this movie is very small, but it's it's tolerable. I actually really I kind of like Nick Swardson in this movie. Um, so. Anyways, that's uh, Click, and this is, I, I guess, uh, I kind of dipped out of Adam Sandler movies for a long time after this, but um, moving on to 2007, um, he did one drama and one com. no, he did one drama and one comedy. Um, the drama was Rain Over Me, which I am kicking myself in the back of the head for not seeing. Dude, you need to fix that. It, I if, know. There are very few, I mean, Click had some dramatic points, but I think this is the best character or if not with one of the ones that's more recent the best character adam sandler has ever played because charlie finneman Feynman is just a completely broken individual and to see his sort of rehabilitation and coping with such an immense trauma as losing your whole family in the way that he does because i'm not spo i'm not spoiling how he gets to where he was but Right. It's just it shows that again, Punch Drunk Love showed Adam Sandler could do serious roles. This shows that he actually has a lot of really good depth with character acting, and it is it is worth watching. It is it is 
the most serious thing for a while that he's done, but I quite enjoyed it. And Don Cheadle is great. Uh, as you know, when you it's he plays, you know, when that guy who reconnects with an old friend only to find out that he's been going through a really tough time and to try and help him get him back on his feet, only to find out that there is a lot more baggage that he did not expect. But to still stand by someone through all that, that's the sign of being a true friend. Yeah, no, uh, so, yeah, that's been on my list for ages. I got to watch this um, now. The comedy. Hold on, hold on. Brandon, have you seen Rain Over Me? I haven't, but I'm seeing like, but seeing that Don Cheadle, I think like Don Cheadle is just great in general, honestly, in the variety of roles that, that I've seen him in. So I think that that's definitely one that I'd be interested in seeing at some point. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's a, it's a great ride. And in some ways, whereas 51st States is he's playing a character from the perspective of trying to, you know, stand by someone that's going through, like has some actual, psychiatric stuff that they're going through now the shoe is on the other foot but he he does it so well in this yeah um i agree i i got now let's ruin that mood with the other movie from 2007 oh god i i skipped this because talk about movies not aging well i now pronounce you chuck and larry um the plot is uh they pretend to be kevin james and adam sandler pretend to be gay for some reason, and uh, it because looked legal loopholes. It, lo- it looks like that age one. It looked really offensive when I saw the trailer. I'm like, okay, I'm not seeing this. Has anyone seen Chuck and Larry, or can we move on? I have seen it, but I only remember the plot. I don't remember a heck of a lot about the actual movie itself. Honestly. Oh, what's the what's the plot? The plot is the plot was something the, the, that these two guys played by Adam Sandler and Kevin James. They pretend to be gay, and um, and I know that Adam Sandler's character he's keeping he's keeping his secret from the person who he's really in love with. Ah, uh. and I just remember something like that. Com- the whole thing comes at the end then. For all these reasons, it's not necessarily good that it comes out. It sounds to me like, like there's a. It sounds like there's a liar revealed story there, which kind of which also it, it is. The purpose for them doing that though is kind of a bit, a uh, bit sentimental in that uh, Larry's wife passed away, but apparently because of a lapse in the paperwork after her death, he can't have his children be the beneficiaries which means that Larry has to find some way to get a new beneficiary so, you know, they can still have the money set aside for the kids. Oh, okay. Um, And it also has Ving Rhames in it, which is always nice. Okay. Um, The next movie I want... So, that's Chuck and Larry. Um, You don't mess with the Zohar. Oh, if you thought I've announced that pronounced you Chuck and Larry was full of stereotypes. Oh, God. I think... This Bring is, on the Zohan. You Don't Mess With the Zohan, I think, is the most offensive movie Adam Sandler has ever done. Now, okay, so You Don't Mess With the this Zohan. Is my, this is one of my personal favorites. Okay. I completely disagree with your opinion on this because to, to the point of this movie is offensive, even in good Adam Sandler movies, I should really point out that a lot of the comedy in a Happy Madison or Adam Sandler movie in general is really grounded in a 
in stereotypical humor. Like there's tons of jokes at the expense of other races. There's tons of jokes at the expense of gender roles. And there's just offensive jokes in general. Like, you know, the whole, I now, the whole premise of, of I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry is offensive, but you don't mess with the Zohan takes the cultural, um, you know, the, 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 the cultural, the literal war between the Palestinians and the, and the Jew and the Israelis is satirized in this movie because you don't mess with the Zohan. He's essentially this cartoon character in live action. Uh, this this Israeli special forces guy Zohan, who goes to New York to pursue his dream of he doesn't want to. He's so sick of the, uh, his, yeah. Sorry, I point out, like Israeli special forces. I believe the correct term is uh, Mossad. Mossad, yeah. Um, so. Uh, he is sick of the fighting between the, with the Palestinians, and his arch enemy is a dude played by John Turturro, who makes a comeback. Um, so, anyways, uh, yeah, John Turturro really didn't have anything better to do in between two thousand seven and two thousand nine because this Transformers, uh, Transformers two, yeah. So essentially, uh, he goes to New York City and ditches. Uh, the war to become a barber and you know he is this extremely you know stereotypical he's a complete womanizer by the way and i mean he every joke at the expense of you know women or politics uh, that can be made that that you could get away with at the time he gets away with it you know talk about movies that would never ever be made today like i feel like this would be one of them so but yeah. i mean I've heard, I've heard people, Borat, so. yeah, oh, well, oh yeah, though, this did come out the same year as Borat, uh, that is a good point, I completely forgot about that, uh, no wait, Borat came out in 2006, what the hell am I saying, sorry, um, so, this so what you're telling me is next year, because it's been 14 years since the movie's release, it'll get a sequel on Amazon Prime, for some reason, oh, you don't mess with the Zohan again, I, well, like I said, you I mean, don't I, keep messing with the Zohan, yeah, can't rule it out, so disco, can, disco, so, good, good, disco. Okay, so David, can you give us the rundown of why you like this movie? Because I have heard like somewhat decent arguments for liking this movie. I personally am not in that camp. I didn't enjoy myself watching. It's not, it does, it does have it. like some funny moments, and it does have some funny moments. And like as as someone who's Jewish, like me, and my family, like uh, when we watch this movie, like uh, the stuff they say, we're like we're not offended by it. We're just amused by it because. You know, it, it just has its moments. Like it's not. Yeah, it okay. just has its moments. You know. Okay, fair enough. I mean, the the, the roots of this movie go back quite a ways because the first script of this, the first draft was written by Adam Robert Smigel and and Judd Apatow in two thousand. But then after a little thing that happened on that one day in September the next year, they delayed it because they felt that it would be too sensitive to do a movie involving that right afterwards and then apatow then left to write under to do undeclared and then he hadn't been involved since oh okay cool. also it is apparently based in part on the story of nezi arbib who was an israeli soldier that after he finished serving uh, moved to southern california and became a hairstylist and he trained with him and trained with him and his brothers who were both also former soldiers for two weeks to learn the whole hairstyling thing and there are elements that first appear in various snl sketches which apparently were written by Robert Smigel, but starred Tom Hanks from around that time. Oh, okay. So I didn't know this information. So it, you don't mess with the Zohan was kind of based on a true story. 
know in a way, yeah, but the whole like development health thing, it, it doesn't surprise me. But like again, when you, it comes out in the late two thousands, and you know, look, it's not no Bart mangled man, Bart mangled banner or anything, but it still feels very much like. Uh, yeah, I do. I do like the funny skit they do in the Zohan movie where like, uh, whether it's a. Uh, whether it's at, in Israel or in New York, like Zohan, every Israeli, they dip, they dip, they dip their hummus in everything. Like he even brushes his teeth with hummus. The father oh. puts hummus in his coffee. Like, yeah, it's just it's not some sort of stereotypical thing. Like hummus is like really popular in in Israel. Like I've seen it. Oh, but does it have does it have a grandmother in a commercial saying she puts that on everything? Ah, nice. I put that shit on everything. Ah, okay. <laughs> um. So. In the other comedy he did in 2008, this guy, Adam Sandler, was strictly comedy. So he did Bedtime Stories, which I have. Hey, kids, you ever wonder if Walt Disney Pictures worked with Happy Madison? No? Well, too bad. Here it is anyway. Yeah, Adam Sandler works with Disney. That's That was a new one. Who has seen Bedtime Stories? I have. Oh, I'm not too happy about that. Because who was asking for Disney to bankroll a Happy Madison film exactly? Because the results are like clearly somewhere in the middle where it's trying to be edgy and subversive, but it's also Disney. So it's a very stringent, you are not going to push that many boundaries. Right. You know what's, you know what's interesting? Um, that, that movie came out the same year as uh, as uh, Marley and Me with Jennifer Aniston and uh, Hotel for Dogs with that Lisa Kudrow was in. I know that because... There was one time where I saw a movie and the trailers were Bedtime Stories with Monica, uh, Marley and Me with Rachel, and uh, Hotel for Dogs with Wait, Phoebe. And then 17 again with Chandler. And oh my God, it's a friend cinematic universe. But where was oh, David? Was that, was that oh, where was, he was racing Marty in Madagascar. Oh, that's oh, right. That oh, by the way. And in 2008. Uh, Madagascar 1 was 2006. No, Madagascar 2. Well, 17 again. Was that also the same year as those other movies? I'm going to say 08 or 09. So same relative time. Yeah, it's 2009. Again, I th 17 again was 2009, which had Chandler. Regardless. Uh, but uh, if you I ever can't. wondered how Adam Sandler would be as a hotel handyman, then this is maybe the movie for you. Oh, yeah. Maybe. What's Repairman, uh, yeah. yes. I personally, I, I, would you recommend checking out Bedtime Stories or is it like not worth watching? Well, it's on Disney Plus, I think. So it's not exactly like you'd be going out of your way that much. Okay. Yeah. A lot, I think. Worth, Maybe it is. If you want to watch any of these movies, some of, uh, quite a few of them are on Netflix. Um, I know Big Daddy and uh, The Longest Yard are on Netflix. Um, I also believe Mr. Deeds is on Netflix. But yeah, no, and Amazon Prime has quite a few of them. Uh, and also, yeah, so yeah, let's just move on. Um, it's kind of interesting in the premise that apparently when Skeeter tells his kids bedtime stories, they actually end up coming true. Yeah, no, that's um, that sounds like a creative premise, but it, it lends itself to, you know, a bunch of, you know, hijinks that Dis I can see Disney pulling off. And the poster does look like a, Dis a poster for a Disney film, so... Yeah. I don't now, know. It looks like they're trying to hold back 300. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Um, now, in 2009, he did a movie that I actually also want to watch with Judd Apatow at the helm called Funny People. This, this is where Happy Madison and the Frat Pack kind of collided in Funny People. But see, calling it Happy Pack doesn't have the same ring to it. 
Yeah, well, the thing is, I feel like I have no reason to see this movie because the big twist is blown in the trailer. Like, he thought he had cancer, but, and he lived every moment like it was last. Wait a minute, 50-50 didn't come out in 2009. It did. Did 50-50, did when did 50-50 come out? 20, I'm going to say 13, 2011. Oh, oh you're making sure. That's the joke. All right, yeah. One of the things I do get funny people is Adam Sandler clearly knows that he's done some dumb films. And the whole beginning is George's character basically like it's like it's lambasting, you know, some of his like, you know, more schlocky roles. Yeah. Um, there. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of tempted to check out funny people. I've heard mixed things on it. Um, it sounds uh, but I again, I feel kind of dejected from watching because it's like the trailer blew the whole movie for me. Like if they uh, I feel because like he, he thought he had cancer, but then he doesn't. So I'm like, oh, I think you should watch it. There's this little guy that has a small role in it. Uh, you might have heard of him from his new Netflix special. Uh, this guy, Bo Burnham. Oh, OK. Now I have to watch it. Okay. Which side note I have not seen inside yet. Yeah. Now, um, supposedly, Funny People has one of the higher uh, ratings from Rotten Tomatoes of the Happy Madison films. Oh yeah. Now, was was yeah. Funny People a Happy Madison production or is this Judd Apatow's company? It is um, Madison Twenty Three is what it's called, but it's a Wikipedia redirects it to Happy Madison, so I'm going to say it's a partial co-production between Apatow and Happy Madison. Oh okay. And then there's Seth Rogen who's also in it. Uh, that's true. And this is like after Knocked Up and after Superbad and after Pineapple Express. So this is as Seth's star is starting to rise. Yeah. And was this before – was this be, was this also the same year as Zack and Miri make a porno come out? This is 2009. Zack and Miri was 08, so the oh, year okay. after. Okay. You know what's um, funny? Um, you know what's funny? There were so many movies like in the 2000s that – Elizabeth Banks was in, but I wasn't familiar with her. And then when I saw her in like this movie later on, and then when I looked back at those other movies, I realized, oh, that was her. Yeah. Was was like, Elizabeth was Elizabeth like, Banks in was Elizabeth Banks in Funny People? No. She was in Forty Year Old Virgin. Yeah, no, she I remember her in Forty Year Old Virgin. I remember her in Zach and Mary. Uh but yeah, uh, I I gotta see Funny and People. Not just comedy, she was also in that escape movie with uh Russell Crowe and Liam Neeson. Oh yeah, no. She she's a she has she's a very good dramatic actor. Um, I have seen her in The Hunger Games, which she was also. Well, the two thousands sure served Happy Madison well, didn't they? But now we got to go to a new decade, new sensibilities, and in the year of our Lord twenty ten, we were, yeah, bestowed with grown ups. Okay, plot of this plot of this movie is kids. Let's go on vacation. Good night, everybody. One of the things I like about that movie is like um. Every actor, almost every actor that Adam Sandler's worked with in the past is in that one. Oh yeah, exactly. even the smaller, yeah, the even the smaller fans. SNL people. Yeah, I do. Even the, yeah, even the ones that just make cameos or whatever, like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is you know that's a good point because um his co-star from I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry is there Kevin James his co-star from The Longest Yard Chris Rock is there and then David Spade is also there. Uh, you get to see a course, Rob Schneider. Well, Rob Schneider's there, David Spade. So a lot of his acting, his acting entourage and his acting troupe is there with him. 
Um, this is the point where in Adam Sandler's career where I'm like, Adam Sandler doesn't even make movies anymore. He just goes on vacations and he invites a camera and lighting crew along with his friends and he invites a, a, a camera and lighting crew along for the ride to just film everything. I feel like he, he's not making movies anymore. He just goes on, on really expensive vacations and invites a, a film crew to, do, to document everything. So the plot of Grown Ups is this, his childhood basketball team, they go to uh, a cottage and uh, hijinks ensue. And this movie feels so monotonous. It's literally just a joke reel. Like I can't even remember the plot. Like it, I, and I, I pay. I saw this in the, the whole theater. reason they go up there is because their high school basketball coach had recently passed away at the in the present day, all and right, so they all yeah. get back together and reminisce. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I also. I also remember uh, Stephen Semi reprises his role as Crazy Eyes in this in a Wiley. in a scene where he winds up in a body cast. The Coyote. As, oh yeah, yeah. As, yeah. As, like, as, as Wiley, yeah. He does a hands up thing, and he's like, uh, "Yeah, yeah." No, so I'm yeah, like, where he essentially goes. Stephen Semi's character essentially goes on um, a zip line straight into uh, some sort of some sort of a uh, cabin there, and he ends up in the a shed. Yeah. yeah, you know the gross movie is like a. It reminds me. It reminds me of a uh, Cameron Boyce because like he played one of Adam's sons. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He was, he was so young. He was twenty years old. Like it was so sad. Yeah. Now it is worth mentioning that uh, as bad as Grown Ups was, it was kind of a calm before the storm because uh, 2011 uh, might be actually might be because Josh might have a disagreement with me here. Oh no! There was four Happy Madison produced films this year. It might be the worst year on okay. record. No, so the worst year for Happy Madison, the worst year for Adam Sandler, critically and commercially, was uh, um, just go with it, which came out in February. Whoa, whoa, no. whoa! Wait a minute! No, I love just go with it. My whole family loves just go with it. We've seen it so many oh, times. Yeah. Okay, I I remember seeing just go with it in the theater with my buddy. It was. It was a movie. I mean, by one of the about it was the the dumb. No, you know what's hilarious? Watching the original movie. This is based on Cactus Flower instead. Oh yeah, I have to check this. Yes, out. that in the uh, 2005 Bollywood movie, uh, Main Pia Kyun Kia, from 2005, yeah. which are uh, both an adaptation of the Broadway stage play uh, written by A. Burroughs from 65, which in turn was based upon uh, Fleur de Cactus. Which is a French play. I'm getting a lot of adaptation here. Right. One of my favorite parts of Just Go With It is like uh, when his cousin, who was played by a what's his name, who was also Nick Swartzen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like he plays he plays he's he's like pretending to be some German guy. Like besides, uh, I cannot stay away from this potato pancake. She loves the schnitzel. You know what I mean? Like he, oh, yeah. everything he says is like so funny. Oh right, yeah. Nick Nick Swartzen was in this. This is. Oh, was this before or after Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star, which I remember? This was just before, because Just Go With It was released in February of 2011, and Bucky Larson, I believe, was in the summer, yeah. uh, the September 9th, so fall-ish. Yeah. I also didn't realize from until looking at this one and the Zohan, I didn't realize Dave Matthews actually was in some of these. Yeah, uh, that was, he's been, he's been one like, of the weirder things I've seen Dave Matthews be involved with. Yeah. Have you, guys, have you guys ever been to a concert for him? Yeah. Uh, no, um, although I have a cousin of mine that I think likes DMB. Yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Which I side note? I, I wouldn't mind going to a concert of his. 
Yeah. Side note, uh, Under the Table and Dreaming and Crash. Great records. Listen to them. Right. Um, one of the things... Yeah, the, one, the one thing about Just Go With It is I'm like, come on, Nicole Kidman. You can do better than this. You yeah. have done better than this. You did well, do better than this. Okay, remember, uh, Adam Sandler has the monies so he can get those actors. Like, I forgot to mention, speaking of a critical acclaim in actors and awards... Um, Click was actually the only Sandler movie to date to be nominated for an Oscar, but for best makeup. For best, oh, is that that's when they put him in the fat suit and they made him all. Yeah, fat. just as a reminder of the highs and lows of Happy Madison in the 2010s. He looks like melted ice cream. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Um, so David, so what do you like about Just Go with It? I thought it was. There's like so many things that are so many things are funny. The characters, characters are funny, like not just the cousin who pretends to be some German guy, but also. The daughter, the little girl, like she was, like she was hilarious. Like she, like she pretends, she also pretends to be like this British girl, and like everything she says is like so cute and funny. Like it's, it's hilarious. I, I think I've, yeah, I vaguely remember. To be honest, the only thing I rem I saw this ten years ago. The only thing I remember about this movie was oh yeah, Bailey Madison was her name. Yeah. Oh Bailey Madison, gee, I she's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh yeah, and um, wizard, that little known duo uh, Key and Peel, uh, Keegan Michael Key is in this too. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. He made um, a yeah, he made a cameo. He's like some gay hairdresser or whatever. Okay, one of the, one of the movies that um, one, the only thing I remember about this movie is um, there were a lot of songs by either Sting or the Police. So the soundtrack got points with me. Like, that's the same thing, Sting and the Police. Yeah, no, in the scene where uh, he just teaches the son to swim by literally chucking him in a pool and the kid's literally fending for his life, it should be a scary scene, but it's set to the tune of Love is the Seventh Wave by Sting. And I'm like, not a not an appropriate use for it that sounds, song. It sounds, like a, it sounds like a Hawaiian song, doesn't it? Like, Well, when Sting was with the police, uh, he, what was so revolutionary about the sound, Josh can kind of help me out with this, was that they blended classic rock and reggae together. That's why, like... It, um, it was actually a mashup uh, this DJ Party Ben did in Just Go With It of Every Breath You Take, and Snow Patrol's Chasing Cars. It was called Every Car You yeah, Chase. So when, I said it, when I said it sounded Hawaiian, I guess I would say it was like, it sounded tropical. You know? Yeah, no, the, uh, reggae uh, sounds tropical because reggae was from Jamaica. Yeah. Are you sure we're not thinking of 50 First Dates soundtrack? Yeah, you know, that's another thing. This is the second Adam Sandler movie that we've talked about that's set in Hawaii. All right. So, you know, folks, we've delayed the inevitable. Oh, no. That remember, remember the 11th of November, 2011, as the day that the universe had to endure the cinematic horror that is the, perhaps, not perhaps, the worst Adam Sandler film, undoubtedly, Jack and Jill. I never even saw that one. In, like, a the weirdest thing, though, is I actually really like this one, and I saw it twice in theaters because... <laughs> well, let's just say somebody went up the hill and then came back down without their sanity. I'm pretty sure the next one we talk about is even worse. You know what? Let's talk What's about... amazing is it's actually made back over double its budget. Wait, wait, wait. Jack and Jill made money? It had a $79 million budget and grossed $149 million. Okay, so, so surprisingly, yes. The, no, apparently... talking twice. Apparently, Jack and Jill, yeah, thanks, Brandon, for allowing this movie to make its money back. <laughs> <laughs> Curses.
But let's be real here for a second. Uh, at the time, Jack and Jill was one of the worst critical got one of the worst critical reviews of anything Adam Sandler had ever done. I think you don't have your film sweep the Golden Raspberry Awards without it being that bad. That's true. Oh yeah, no, how, did, didn't this like wasn't this like the big uh, claimer for all the Razzies that you particularly? It was the first film to sweep them, winning in every, each category. Wait, oh, so Al, Al Pacino was in it. Let's never speak. Yes. Al Pacino. Yes, and never speaking of it again. Yeah, no. Also, this has the final performance of the late Regis Philbin. Put it this way. Wait, guys, question. Was he funny? Was Al Pacino funny? Funny? No. Was he high? Was Al Pacino high? Oh, I get it. Was Al Pacino high? Must have been some really good Dunkin' Donuts then. Oh, God. Don't even mention that. He does them. Okay, the plot of the movie is. Swallow my Dunkachino. No, Adam Sandler plays this freaking uh, commercial director who they have to get. The whole plot is they have to get Al Pacino to do this shitty Dunkin' Donuts commercial. And the whole movie's plot is for nothing. And while that's going on, Jack's annoying sister, Jill, comes over. And uh, Jill is played by Adam Sandler himself, cross dressing. Um, there, as. as Horrible as I find this movie to be, it made me laugh hard once, and I must give it the one bit of credit that it deserves. Um, the scene where um, there's a th sorry, th this joke sounds complicated, but uh, his sister want is not attracted to Al Pacino, but Al Pacino is attracted to Jill. So uh, because they they're twins, Adam Sandler cross dresses as Jill and does a shitty impersonation of her. Um, so. But when he's cross-dressing, like he's in the men's room, he dresses up as his sister, the maitre d' or the guy, the towel guy in the bathroom on the cruise ship uh, basically uh, sees that his boobs are crooked or the fake, the little melons he put in his uh, in his dress are, are a little crooked. So he, the, 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 the bathroom guy uh, literally just adjusts them and then later the real jill comes out of the same washroom and then the guy thinks he's cross she's cross-dressing he adjusts her bra and she just looks at him like stupefied and then she knocks him the fuck out that was the <laughs> one joke that genuinely made me laugh other than that this movie i thought this movie was you know well thanks. here's the next here's the next horrible am sandler movie uh that that's my boy who has seen That's My Boy? I have not seen it. I, I have. seen it a bunch of times, and I don't know why I've seen so many. Hey, hey, remember, remember in 1995 when, you know, Adam Sandler played a character who was essentially dating his teacher? Oh. Foreshadowing is back. Oh, for fuck's sake. And he has a fucking... Yay, payoff. And... Except this is really messed up. Now... This is a crucial moment for Andy Sandler because in the late in the late 2000s and early 2010s, Andy Samberg was on was on top of the comedy shit. He, he was huge on SNL. He almost the Lonely Island. He, no, he, Lonely Island. Island. Yeah, Andy Samberg almost got roped in with the Adams with the Happy Madison family, and thank God this was the last movie he did with them. I, I I can't say shit about it because I haven't seen it, but the trailer looks makes it look cringeworthy. I actually actually he also made a cameo in Grown Ups too. Oh, okay. No, never mind. I stand corrected. But at least he yeah, ca cameos are cameos. You know. And for Andy Samberg, this was also right before he started on Brooklyn Nine Nine. So yeah. So suffice to say, he redeemed himself, and thankfully, the Lonely Island camp does not have to be associated with it. Then again, Lonely Island hasn't been relevant for a while, but. 
he he does his best. I mean, the character of of uh, Han Solo or Todd, whatever you want to call him, he's trying his best to like exist, but it's clear that like you know he basically has a life he doesn't want. All right, yeah. Um, so the I I can like I said I can't say shit about that's my boy. Um, the plot is essentially. Josh, you can just recount the plot, and then we'll just. Get so Adam plays Donnie Berger, who is an alcoholic and slacker, and owes forty-three grand to the IRS because he hasn't paid his taxes. And to avoid having to go to jail, he places a he, he puts twenty bucks on a runner in a race that has eight thousand to one odds. But he tries to make a backup plan in case that doesn't work out. But he's been estranged from Todd, who is his son, because he basically you know, was in a, essentially a student-teacher relationship that obviously from a movie that came out under a decade ago still aged terribly. Yes, I know that the teacher is played by Susan Sarandon, but still that does not excuse that in the 2010s and, uh, somebody thought this was a good idea to make the premise of a movie. And her, do- her daughter plays the younger version of her at the beginning. Oh, wow. Yeah. I guess that's cool. Regardless... As a result of this, clearly, for as a teenager, Donnie enjoyed like all kinds of attention and stuff because it was the 80s and messed up stuff happened and no one seemed to bat an eye. But as a result, now in the present day, like, you know, Donnie's trying to sort of redeem himself and try and be the father figure to his, uh, dis- his uh, estranged son. And stuff happens. Weird shenanigans ensue. There's other weird, dark things that, like, messed up things that go on that I will not get into. But suffice to say... By the end, you know, he embraces, uh, Todd embraces his roots and everything ends well, I guess. I don't, and the, I don't and even vanilla, know. Vanilla Ice appears in this. Well, apparently. Oh, yeah. That's. You're saying that's criticized. It was uh, criticized right. for making light of child neglect, which makes me want to see it even less thinking about that. Um Especially, it's like, think about it. Nicole Kidman and Just Go With It, Susan Sarandon and and That's My Boy. Like, come on. These people have been in critically acclaimed films and even won awards for it, you know? You can be in other things that aren't Happy Madison films if you want to break. Right. Evan, I might, as, I might as well tell you the ending. Like, he, he puts 20 on the fat guy, and the fat guy actually wins, so he wins 160 grand. Um, here's the other thing. Um, I wonder if a character I'm Sandler playing with a gambling problem would ever come up again. I wonder. We'll see. No, impossible. No, I mean it's it, it's it's mainstream America. Who would love a guy with a gambling problem? Okay. Okay. So moving on, uh, the, he did he did dip his feet back into the waters of animation, but this movie actually looks pretty decent. Hotel Transylvania. Oh, Transylvania. No, the this? Despicable Me of Sony Pictures Animation. No, like it really. It looks. Um, well, oh, did Illumination do Hotel Transylvania or? No, Sony Pictures Animation did. But my point is, it made a lot of money with the kids, and as a result, they've been really trying to run with this brand. They've made two sequels, a TV show, and that's about as much as I know of it. Maybe some animated shorts. Okay, so has any have any of you seen Hotel Transylvania? Because I saw looks- the first one, and that's it. Okay, is it good? Would you recommend it? Oh, actually, no. This also has Andy Samberg in it. <laughs> okay, then I guess Andy Samberg did ride the wave with Happy Madison for a while. Yeah. It's think of it like you know, 
Whereas kids that may not have grown up on the Adams family and its sort of brand of gothic comedy, this could be their version of it. However blasphemous that may sound, but it's the idea of what if Dracula ran a hotel and yeah, had all his monster friends there? Okay. Right. We know what I liked. What I liked was how Drac Dracula's voiced by M. Sandler and his main group was uh, Frankenstein voiced by Kevin James, uh, The Invisible Man, voiced by David Spade. Uh, now, The Werewolf was voiced by, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi. Yeah, and uh, The Mummy was voiced by, well, first uh, uh, CeeLo Green, and then... Uh, Keegan-Michael Key? Key. But, you know, it would have been a lot better if uh, The Mummy was voiced by Chris Rock and The Werewolf was voiced by R Rob Schneider. Yeah, that, you would have had a... I think taking a nice vacation at the time. Right. Yeah, like, that would have that made a lot of sense. Uh... Right, so that I, I'm kind of curious to check it out. I might. Um, I think but, all of them are on Netflix. Okay. And okay. Sandberg's character does end up playing a role in the other sequels, just from stuff that goes on there. And I guess Selena Gomez does a decent job as his daughter, as Dracula's daughter, Mavis. You know, the fourth one isn't a Happy Madison production, nor does it have any. Thank you for reminding me. There was a fourth one. Oh, yeah. there is a fourth one. Jeez. It's but apparently, it's, it's, no, apparently it's not, there's no Adam Sandler. No Adam Sandler. Sorry, too many people are talking. What were you saying, Brandon? Apparently the film's release was canceled though, so I, oh, there really? was a fourth one, oh, but it wasn't good. They learned. Okay, um, so moving on to 2013, Grown Ups Two with the, the second to... one. I didn't even. Grown Ups Two, Electric Boogaloo, Grown Ups Two, The Get Down Gang, okay, Grown so... Ups Two, The Search for More Money. Oh jeez. So here's the thing. The weekend this movie came out was also the weekend that Pacific Rim came out. Guess which movie I think is the better movie, and I I refuse to see. I did was so guess which movie, and you get no, no guesses. Okay, the movie that deserved to get all the box office returns was Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim didn't underperform, but it did. It wasn't a smash hit like uh, the studio was hoping for it to be. Grown Ups 2 took the money that should have gone to Pacific Rim, and I remember my friend posting about this, and it's like, the fact that Pacific Rim, which has, you know, artistic vision, love, passion, and care dumped into it, uh, and Grown Ups 2 is just Adam Sandler phoning it in again, like, the fact that people paid more to see the Adam Sandler phone in versus an actual work of art is what's wrong with modern-day uh, movie going. <laughs> So, um, not to, that's my film snob coming out there, but um, other than, yeah, no, I refuse to see Grown Ups 2. Has any any of you here seen Grown Ups 2? I've seen it, but on Netflix. What's the what's the plot? Like, they, it, all, it, all, it, all it all takes place in just one day. It's all, it's the whole thing's just one day. Oh, okay. weird. So, what's the plot? They get together again? It's a, it's like, uh, Adam Sandler's character and his family moved back to the town where they all were, and like, uh, it's the it's it's the last day of school, so it's summertime, and like there's the whole day it's just like a whole bunch of shenanigans one after the other, and the movie ends like uh, what with all of his him and all of his friends having an '80s party where like uh, you dress up as something from the '80s, whether it's a movie character or a music artist or even the Mario Brothers, whatever. But like yeah, the like, it's, a whole 80s it's a whole '80s party, and uh, then the the fra these frat guys come in and try to raid the party because like a uh, 
there was some sort of situation going on with them and grown-ups at first. And then they get their frat house whole, got vandalized well, and they falsely accused Lenny and his friends of doing that. Yeah, and then they get into a whole brawl. Like the, the grown-ups and the frat guys all fight each other. Adults, kids, adults, kids. Another one of these that has Stone Cold in it. Oh, and, and not to mention, as Officer Fluzu, we have everybody's favorite Hall of Fame basketball player, basketball commentator, and oh, now Happy Madison alum. Get ready for the Shaq attack. <laughs> oh, Shaq's in this? Which I forgot to mention. Shaquille he was. He had a cameo in an earlier yeah. one. I forgot which one. Shaquille O'Neal. Yes. All right. Yeah. Yes. And it's got Steve Austin. And uh, yeah, the frat guys are led by the girl's favorite hottie, Taylor Lautner. Oh, it was okay. July 12th, 1980 something. Twilight takes over Happy Madison. Yeah. No, but yeah. this was in yeah. 2013 yeah, when Twilight like, had just ended or was about to end. I remember some of the other frat guys were, uh, was, uh, one of them was, uh, the guy, the guy who was, the guy who was in, uh, this is David uh, Henry, who was, in, who was also in That's My Boy. Uh, what's his name? The guy, he was in That's My Boy and he was also, he's also the father from the past and this is, uh, Okay, I can't remember his name. Anyways, this him and uh, there's David. Oh, Henry. Milo Ventimiglia. Yeah, and yeah, and then there's a. Uh, oh also, right, thanks for my mate. Jack was in a. There's also yeah. there's also David Henry in, from Wizards of Waverly Place. Uh, our, and the Lonely uh, Island, and Will yeah. Forte from The Last Man on Earth, and one time uh, SNL star Taron Killam as male and, cheerleaders, uh, and one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's sons, and uh, there's also, yeah, some of them, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I will give it this. It has more of a proper plot than the first movie, right? If that's anything to go by, I'm still. I'm still amazed that, like, you know, you get Salma Hayek, Maria Bello, and Maya Rudolph all in the same two movies. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, I will say this. Uh, I might check it out at some point if I'm bored one day. But um, yeah, no. I'm, I'm noticing a pattern. I, yeah, I initially. But did. but Evan, Evan, what will it blend? That is the question. Oh God! So 2014's Happy Madison contribution. Hey, you like the wedding singer? You like Fifty First Dates? And well, fuck it. Third time's the charm, right? Apparently, yeah, blended. Apparently, blended, yeah, blended. Blended exists because apparently Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore have this unofficial packed with each other to collaborate on a movie once a decade. The Wedding Singer was their first go around. Fifty First Dates was their second, and Blended came out ten years after Fifty First Dates. I I I don't know the rest of you guys, but I liked Blended. It's uh, it's okay. It's not god awful, but it's just it's it's average. It's it's all right, but it still I, feels like what if the Wedding Singer had a mystical like sort of fantasy element like Fifty First Dates, right? Now I was a little con the thing with fifty the thing with the blended I didn't see it so I can't say anything uh, David uh, and David and Josh and maybe Brandon uh, Brandon did you see uh, blended I've seen I've seen it but and I I somewhat remember I don't remember it insanely well okay um, for me I didn't re I didn't see blended I had one uh, writer friend of mine who saw it with her boyfriend now uh, husband at the currently husband now but at the time it was her boyfriend and uh, she didn't really like it and apparently like it, it got some flack for being really offensive to the African culture that it portrays in the movie I can't really I, again I'm just asking here because um, I haven't seen it so 
Yeah. It sounds right. Essentially, they start off as two single people. Adam Sandler's character, Jim, is a widower, and Drew Barrymore plays uh, Lauren Reynolds, who was recently divorced. They go on a blind date. It doesn't go well, but it looks like, you know, they end up running into each other because they both, uh, apparently, they both end up going to Africa, or there's, like, a trip on to Africa on the table, but, like, they have to apparently act as if they're a blended family because uh, Jim has two daughters. Three daughters. Uh, three daughters, uh, the oldest of which is played by Bella Thorne. Uh, she's not doing so great anymore. Oh, but the idea is that these two people and their families have to figure out how to coexist together to keep up the charade. I wonder if that reminds me of a recent Happy Madison film at the time, but I just can't quite put my finger on it. And uh, one of the other, one of, Evan, one of the other daughters is played by uh, uh, Cassie Lang, uh, Scott's daughter, the, the older version of her. Like, oh, okay. Five years. Yeah. Nice. So this was like but, five years before we saw her in uh, Endgame. It's it's this yeah. blend is an okay movie, and if you want another excuse to see Terry Crews singing some good stuff, yeah, he was pretty entertaining in that one. Well, no, let's be real. Oh, and of course we have Beverly Goldberg in this as well, because in case you didn't realize, the Goldbergs is crossing over into the Happy Madison yeah. film lore. Yeah, she was she was the only main cast member who, who was in Africa because like her character wasn't in Africa, but the rest of them all went to Africa to film the, film the movie. You know, you know what, guys? It's, it's getting late. Uh, maybe we'll, we'll get something on the TV. We'll plug in some video games. We'll, we'll play a little bit, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Oh, God. Oh, God. Why is Pac-Man eating San Francisco? Oh, now this oh, one. God. <laughs> oh, no, never mind. Never mind. It's just Pixels. Pixels. Carry on. Pixels, I actually have seen. Um, now... I actually literally just watched it uh, right before making this podcast because Pixels have been on my list for... I'm going to say I did not think Chris Columbus and Adam Sandler would be in the same sentence. No, well, the, the director of Home Alone and uh, one of the biggest uh, hijinks comedians. Uh, what could go wrong or what could go right? Okay, so Pixels is actually... Um, Lyle and I joked about this on our Redder Player 1 episode. Um, Go watch it. The plot of this movie is very similar to Ernest Cline's second novel, Armada. The plot is essentially um, in 80s culture, they sent, they put uh, stock footage of video games or people playing video games into a space capsule, and it is and it is retrieved by an alien race uh, light years away, and they perceive the video game footage as an act of war on them. So they they do mock they send mock-ups of 80s video game characters and 80s pop culture in the form of, you know, caricatures to essentially declare war back on the human race. So you have literal uh, video game characters pixelated flying around, you know, the world and blowing shit up. Uh, it actually as far as Adam Sandler comedies go, it's it's probably the least problematic of his comedy work that he's done in the last few years. So uh, after I would say after Click and Happy Gilmore, it's probably his least problematic film. I had fun with this movie. Um, it it's it's deeply creative, which you gotta give him props for. And the cast actually, for once, he doesn't bring back his save for Kevin James, he doesn't bring back his usual comedy troupe. Like he brings, uh, he gets Josh Gad in there. He gets Michelle Monaghan, whom I love, and he also Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage, Peter Dinklage. Ah, Peter yes, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. 
Peter Dinklage's character is great in this. And uh, also Sean Bean has an amazing bit part. There's a scene where the aliens are, are attacking Hyde Park in London. And uh, Sean Bean plays a uh, British uh, com- military commander with the thickest accent ever. And um, basically all the blokes that they ch- that they chase out of the park because the military has to do battle with these aliens... Um, basically they say, what kind of beer commercial is this? And then Sean Bean just stomps over and says, if I say it's a beer commercial, I say it's a beer commercial. So that was my, that was one of my favorite lines in the whole movie. Um, Kevin James actually plays the president of the United States. Uh, and, uh, I cannot see him as presidential at all. And that's kind of the joke because the joke is he's this joke. Hmm, I wonder why you've made that sentiment before. Please don't make me talk about politics. So well, this was eighteen months. This was like uh, yeah, eighteen months before you know. All right. The yes. next things I got to say though, I I heard it was going to be a terrible movie. I didn't see it close to when it came out, but I can honestly say I was pleasantly surprised just due to the video game nostalgia of it all. Just seeing like Donkey Kong and Pic- and Pac Man, all these guys, and also I just felt like. The humor worked for me. I just found it to actually be really funny compared to some other ones that just... Yeah, Pixels is still pretty fine. Um, I think the casting, again, really works in its favor. Again, this is the mid-2010, so it's just before the tipping point where they ran out of 80s things to mine and moved on to the 90s. Ready Player One. Oh, right. But regardless, the fact of the matter is they took a short film from five years earlier and made it into an hour and 46 minute decent film. But I definitely recommend if you can track down the short film, it's only two minutes, but it's, it's pretty amazing. Okay. What's the short film called? Also pixels. Okay, great. Uh, that, that, that's a cool story. And um, what's even cooler is uh, remember how you said Billy Madison was shot in Toronto. This was shot in Toronto too. And yes. um, the, the big climax uh, in the third act uh, takes place on University Avenue, which is supposed to be Washington, D.C. Also, uh, the big scene with um, uh, the big scene uh, in New York City with Pac-Man was also shot in uh, the Bay Street, the Bay and King area. And I recognize that intersection. So um, now in Pixels, I do know there was a thing in the trailer about Pac-Man's creator, Toru Iwatani, trying to reason with him and getting his arm bit off for good measure. That's now, I don't remember in the credits if Toru, in fact, did actually play himself or if it was someone playing him. Uh, Somebody killed this thing! Yeah, I'll have to look into that, but uh, yeah. Um, no, I mean, Bandai Namco did worse things with Pac-Man in that decade. So I would say... This was oh, Adam's- played by, uh, oh, is it Dennis Akiyama? Oh, wait, hold on a second. Oh, that's, that's some fandom. Don't, I don't, I don't actually know. Yeah. Uh, okay, no, so it turns out that the actual, yeah, the actual Tori Watani is in the intro fixing a Pac-Man arcade machine. Oh, okay. So, yes, the real creator of Pac-Man has a cameo in Pixels. Nice. And that's nice. That's very nice. Um... So, anyways, yeah. Now let's get ridiculous. Oh, God. Isn't this the movie? So, around was- late 2015 is when the theatrical age of Happy Madison Productions and Adam Sandler, for that measure, is over. And everyone's third favorite streaming giant now, Netflix, what, I'm not sure the exact order, but they decide to take over the distribution. 
And what a stinker to start it off with. The Ridiculous Six. Oh, God. Yeah, that was one of the, I think that was like the very first Netflix film ever. And yeah, it was really bad. Oh. What's wasn't hilarious this, is like... Wasn't this a collaboration with Netflix and Sony? Because apparently Sony really shat the bed on this. No, it was just distributed by them. This is solely Happy Madison. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so what if you took the Magnificent Seven slash Seven Samurai and you got rid of one and you made it into a Happy Madison comedy? Oh, God. And then you also had a lot of not great indigenous representation or like appropriation to the point where various people actually like left the set as a result. So when you said what, well, Josh, when you asked me if I was sure that uh, I, I pegged one of the movies earlier, I, I, I'm having trouble remembering, but I pegged. No, I pegged you don't mess with the Zohan as the most offensive Happy Madison movie ever. Is this the movie you were referring to as the real most offensive movie ever or were you referring to that? I thought it might have been Jack and Jill, but I think there are also parts of this one where, yeah, it, it kind of does cross the line, especially because a film that was released in the mid-2010s, even if it's supposed to be set in like the Wild West era, like you guys should clearly know better. Yeah, well, because apparently they a lot of well, isn't it true that a lot of the jokes in it are kind of modernized for like the present day, even though it is the old west? Yeah, yeah, that's I've seen this maybe once or twice in passing at various parts. The people they can they they seem to get for some of it is kind of interesting. Yeah, but I'm still cannot say it's anything. Uh, I'm like, why why is Nick Nolte in this? He's still got dignity. Right. Well, this movie also came out around the same time as another uh, bad Western comedy, which I didn't like, called a million, uh, Seth MacFarlane's A Million Ways to Die in the West. Which See, I that made me that just made me think, you know, they should just show A Million Ways That You Can Die in the Wild West and have it be a half-hour TV episode. It could, no, it could have been an SNL sketch because everyone in that movie already talks like... No, 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 no. A family guy cut away. Oh, over yeah, this. No, it literally is a live action. It, it's a directionless, meandering family guy cutaway. But Ridiculous Six begins an era where the plots become pretty unnecessary, but also non, non, non-applicable because it's a Netflix movie. You'll watch it on shuffle anyways. So what if six random people realize, oh, we all have the same dad and something and things happen? Okay. But hey, Danny Trejo's in it, so it's like, well, you can appreciate the one t- the t- when Machete's on screen, but then he goes away, and uh, then you're t- you're you're sad. Okay. Now, uh, also in 2015, there was Hotel, the sequel to Hotel Transylvania, literally called Hotel Transylvania Two. Uh, I again, I've yet to see this. Has anyone seen this? Or no? I, that's the one where essentially to spoil the first movie's ending, Andy Samberg's character, who's a human, and Selena Gomez is uh, Mavis, the daughter of Dracula. They uh, have a baby who's half and who's basically Jack Jack but vampire. Oh, okay. Yeah, like, I, I, I remember the scene in the Hotel Transylvania 2 where he's trying to teach his grandson how to fly, so that he just tossed him off a cliff and he goes, Here we go, we okay. He's, he's falling for minutes, and the guy and his friends go, He's still not flying, he will, he's still not. He'll, you he'll know what? Him. That's nice and all, but I think that that deserves a do over. In 2016, that was the next Netflix-exclusive uh, Adam Sandler vehicle where he and David Spade play two guys who fake their deaths to start their lives over but then find out that those two guys that they uh, took their identities from, 
they've got dark pasts too, and stuff happens. But hey, we have Catherine Hahn and Luis Guzman as well in it. So yeah, this was the second in a four-film deal between Adam Sandler and Netflix. So the quality shows. Um, but to David Spade's credit, it is not the worst Happy Madison Netflix exclusive he starred in. That's coming later. Oh, okay. So uh, his movies get somewhat up. He did a bunch of uh, – Sandy Wexler was in 2017. Um, I- Sandy Wexler is kind of interesting in that it's a little bit more reserved and it's got Jennifer Hudson in it as like the main love interest. But it felt more like it would have been a really – a much better film. If he didn't necessarily speak with any sort of like impediment. Okay. Yeah. By the way, speaking of um, his female opposite stars, can we take a, can we pause for a second and talk about the amazing actresses he's roped into his movies over the years? Like, uh, let's start with um, uh, who who is in Billy Madison again? Uh, see, I took the page down a while ago. Hang on. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Uh, Bridget Wilson. Bridget Wilson, okay, and then in Happy Gilmore, there was uh, Miss Mrs. Bo- Claire Julie Dunphy, Bone. Julie Bone, yeah. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't recognize her. More like, on her soon. Oh, and then uh, in Rain Over, yeah. So we're going, yeah. So then the, he's got some amazing actresses in his movies. Um, uh, you mentioned uh, Courtney Cox uh, earlier. Um, she I, was I, both in The Longest Yard in an uncredited role and Bedtime Stories as Skeeter's sister, who they yeah, and they both true. run the hotel. Yeah, but in uh, in longest yard, uh, he was his wife. Not I thought, uh, I, thought, I, thought, I thought she was. I thought she was the principal at the school. Oh no! You're, I think you're thinking of the past. No, you're no, you're not thinking. No, of the in bedtime stories, she's the principal of the school. They both, no, but he. But they're still siblings in that film. Yeah, I know. I know. Okay. Um, and then, of course, there was Selma Hayek in the Grown Ups films. There was yeah. Jennifer Lo- uh, Jennifer Aniston. I'm mixing up Jennifer's. And just go with it. And another one we'll get to in a bit. Um, then there was Kate Beckinsale in Click, um, who was great. Uh, who Marissa Tomei in Anger Management. Yeah, no, he gets these amazing. And of course, he's collaborated with Drew Barrymore three times. So uh, Drew Barrymore in The Wedding Singer, Fifty First Dates, and Blended. So yeah, he gets some amazing ladies in his movies. Um, oh, and Katie Holmes in Jack and Jill, sweetheart, what are you, were you doing? Like, I'm gonna take a page out of Josh's complaints. Like, you could have done anything. Why did you phone in like Jack and Jill? You're better than that. you know. I think I think we've done enough throwing shade at the 2010s era of Sandler stuff. Let's instead give some high praise to his best movie at the time in a long time. The Meyerowitz stories, new and selected. Noah Baumbach, thank you for this. Thank you for this redemption. Thank oh, you so much. Which one? Which one are we talking about? Which, uh, the Meyerowitz stories from 2017. Ah, oh, nice. Uh, I still got to see this. Um, by the way, I think you'd actually like this one. It's, it's it's a bit reserved. It's got music by Randy Newman, so it's got that going for it. Okay, cool, awesome. Essentially, Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, and Elizabeth Marvel play the Meyerowitz siblings who are all essentially living with uh, their father, the retired art professor, Harold, played by Mr. Sam Etik himself, Mr. Bergstrom, Dustin Hoffman. Okay, cool. So essentially, uh, Danny, who's played by Sandler, moves in with Harold after he uh, essentially got, he, he separated from his wife. And so he and, he and, uh, Ben Stiller's character, Matthew have this sort of ongoing rivalry because, you know, Matthew's the successful 
the successful son and Danny kind of feels like the screw up, even though he's quite musically gifted, he's not really able to apply that much. But like, as time goes on, you know, he gets closer to his, Danny gets closer to his daughter cause she's going off to university and a whole bunch of other stuff happens. And then, uh, Jean has her own uh, things about um, with regarding like her sexuality and stuff. And then they're all there for their dad when they need to be. It's, it's a bit of an unconventional structure, but I also do think it, it makes for something where it's an Adam Sandler film. Again, that's not an Adam Sandler film. And also it's got Emma Thompson as his, as Harold's current wife at the time, her fourth one, but it's the Adam Sandler movie that young 20-somethings that are at NYU or in university, and while they grew up on Adam Sandler films, this is the one they wish that they always were. Because it's like it, it's definitely an intellectuals oh, film okay. in, some, in some ways. Not like Wes Anderson level or anything like that. Not like too obvious, but it, it's got a lot of great writing in it. I see. No, I'm sold. That sounds like a really good movie. Um. Next one, uh, there's uh, the week of in from 2018. Moving on, what if the ending of Scrubs was an entire movie where two friends find out that their kids are marrying each other? Uh, well, everything after uh, 2014 is uncharted territory for me. So Josh can pretty much walk us. Through. I've only heard of the week of. I've not seen it, but essentially, uh, Adam Sandler and Chris Rock play fathers of each of the bride and of the of the uh, groom and bride that essentially have their own issues with each other. And stuff happens, but I'm sure by the end the wedding goes on as planned. I don't know if I'll watch it. Maybe I will, but I mean, Chris Rock's been able to redeem himself pretty recently. I mean, I'm not going to lie, that Saw spinoff actually looks pretty interesting that he's in, but uh, that seems okay. There's a third Hotel Transylvania. Go watch Adam Sandler 100% Fresh. That is his best stand-up in quite some time. Again, the Chris Farley tribute song. You got to watch it for yourself. All right, cool. Um, uh, now we're getting to 2019, Murder oh, Mystery. Murder Mystery. Um, now this is this AKA year, Just Die with It. This year he did um, nothing but um, Netflix exclusives. Um, but but while well, one was mixed, and it's essentially about you know uh, this married couple gets caught up in a murder investigation, which kind of just makes me want to watch Clue instead. Thank you, Lyle. Okay. Nice. The other film he did in 2019. We want you want to talk about the, one of the best films he's ever done, like, uncut, uncut fucking gems. gems. Oh yeah, and now this I'm gonna say that you know Josh being the pun master, I'm gonna take a stab. This truly is like a gem in like uh, it's a diamond in the rough. Remember when you problem? said who would like a guy who would like a protagonist with a gambling problem? Yeah, no. Earlier in the podcast, I said. I wonder if, you know, Adam Sandler with a gambling addiction will ever come back. Oh, it does. Yes, because uh, Josh, uh, last year we watched this movie because we were having like a, a Netflix original week because like there were a couple of Netflix original films we wanted to watch. So we decided to make it like a Netflix original week. And I believe it was Brandon who chose Uncut Gems, right? Yeah, I think I did because I was interested to see. Good taste, good to, taste. I was, I was interested in seeing Adam Sandler in such a different role than... Like he would normally play because normally he does very comedic roles. This seemed like it was going to be very different. Like it's actually in like the role, the Howard Radner is probably the most depraved character Adam Sandler has, or perhaps will ever play. Yeah. 
Now, this was based on somewhat of a true story, uh, not to the letter like, but um, it was it's set in a real uh, to the tune of a real basketball game. And there actually is a basketball player that plays himself in this movie. Um, this Hall of Famer Kevin Garnett. Yes. This movie. Oh, and it's got some uh, Ice Queen in it, too. All right. Yeah. This and some uh, Canadian R&B star who. It's hard to believe 10 years ago he was a small guy putting out mixtapes independently, and now he's only one of the biggest artists in the world. Oh, right. The yeah, weekend is in this. Yeah. Um, I also, just to give you a rundown of what I thought of Uncomp Gems, the, this, the emotional experience of watching it, like, I got anxiety watching Uncut Gems. It's this is unsettling, but also it's, it's meant to be, but, like, the different peaks and valleys of this are fantastic. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, no, I, if you have not seen Uncut Gems, I highly recommend it. It's so good. I mean, everyone's been talking about it, but Uncut again, we have Uncut Gems to thank for the weekend's latest record after hours and probably the one that he'll be coming out with by the end of this year, early next year, The Dawn. Oh, seriously? Wow. So Adam Sandler, in a small way, paved the way for the weekend to basically have his biggest song in Blinding Lights. Yeah, no, that's that's a good one. I, I really like Blinding Lights. Um, the other thing, uh, I feel like we could just stop the show right here because it's such a wonderful... Uh, I, well, I, yeah. let's just go over the one other Adam Sandler starring thing from last year. Oh, yeah, Hubie but we're gonna say Hubie Halloween. Julie Bowen, what are you doing? What are you doing? I know Modern Family, but come on. Well, like... Uh, I don't... Hubby Halloween? Hubby Halloween. I personally... I saw this. I did not like it. Okay. I feel like we could just... Anyone else see Hubie Halloween? Let's just say that Uncut Gems nope. is still a zenith of Sandler's film career, but I really nope. wish that it was not immediately followed by that. Yeah, like, I feel like Adam Sandler should just take a break, but he's not taking a break. He's, um... But he's, he's just going to keep... Turning out stuff. Well, uh, as of this recording, there are two more films that he is involved in that are in post-production. Uh, Hustle, which is a LeBron James-produced sports drama, which also stars uh, 2019 NBA champion Kyle Lowry in a small Kyle Lowry. Role. Oh, Lowry from the from the Raptors, Kyle Lowry? Well, formerly of the Raptors. He was uh, trade. He signed with the Miami Heat a few weeks ago. but. Oh, really? uh, Yes, oh, but he man. plays a former basketball recruiter that tries to remake his career by bringing a player that's playing basketball overseas into the NBA. And then the other one he's involved with is a very interesting uh, science, a sci-fi drama, uh, Spaceman, which is based on the 2017 novel Spaceman of Bohemia by Yaroslav Kalfar. And he wait, stars... Wait, wait. So, Kal so Larry's not part of the Raptors anymore? Nope. No, that's an aside for, yes, sports <laughs> is sports. Yeah. So and the crazy thing about this is, I mean, yes, it's another Netflix exclusive movie, Spaceman, but it's based on a novel about a um, essentially, I guess it's a Czech astronaut, but it's produced by Channing Tatum and co-starring Carey Mulligan, Paul Dano, Kunal Nayar, and Isabella Rossellini. So uh, I'm I'm kind of curious to check that out. And then the sequel to Murder Mystery is coming out the same year next year too. The Murder Mystery, Die More. Um, oh yeah, one more woof. note. One more note coming off of Uncut Gems is the fact that I think the big issue with him coming off of Uncut Gems is that he wasn't really 
recognized as much in the awards category for Uncut Gems. And then I remember seeing some sort of article saying that, oh, he wasn't recognized that much. So it's like he's going to go for a much more terrible movie the next time now. Uh, That's the like, thing. Uncut Gems, I don't believe it was nominated for any Oscars. I thought it was. It was nominated. Let me just check into this. I'm gonna actually... The Golden Raspberry Awards have no taste because they nominated oh they nominated him for the Razzie Redeemer Award, I guess, for like the best performance from an actor that's usually associated with bad movies. Right. Oh, like a Razzie Redeemer. That's cool. Yeah, so what the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Again, when people normally associate you with doing bad movies, you know, they don't seem to take you seriously when you finally do some. But yeah, I, I, I think the narrative of Uncut Gems is even even with the, the high points and the low points, there's still beauty in the eyes of the beholder. So okay. if you happen to like any of the movies that we didn't necessarily like, like Brandon and David do or vice versa. You know, you do you, because Adam Sandler's yeah. had a hell of a career for almost 30 years at this point, o o certainly over 25, and I'm sure he'll keep going, and uh, um, they're all going to laugh at you. Yeah, so just to – thank you for that little wrap-up. Just to clarify, um, I'm still kind of you, – you, uh, Adam, uh, Uncut Gems, I'm just looking through the award list on IMDb. It got uh, 25 wins and 90 nominations from uh, – Film festivals all over the world. Um, it got. Uh, I'm just going. I'm looking through this. Where the heck are the Oscars? Um, They're it, in California. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to. Oh, oh, it, it, uh, he was nominated. Yes, for a Razzie Redeemer for a Redeemer Award. Um, but yeah, no. This tons of it got. 25 wins and uh, 90 nominations from different award shows and uh, festivals across the world. But it did, uh, Uncut Gems did play at TIFF. But um, yeah, so um, let's, Josh gave a great um, send off to this episode. But for me, Adam Sandler, he's funny once in a while. Like I like, I like seeing Adam Sandler when he gets angry. I like it seeing him when he goes over the top. There, occasionally he tells some really witty jokes um but as funny as he can be he can be obnoxious but once in a while he'll deliver like this banger of a performance and he'll just knock it out of the park like it's in uncut gems uncut gems was truly the gem to end this night off of so and um, and i think the thing to take away from it is that he has done really great critically acclaimed serious roles and clearly he can do it again that's that's so true and he it'll surpri he surprises us whenever like we think he's down and out oh oh he's gonna come back with something cool like i actually might check out spaceman just because like it could be interesting to see him you know in, in more serious roles yeah but uh you know this episode went uh went pretty well and i, I think definitely brandon and david having be being more experienced in the happy madison oeuvre it was definitely great to have you guys on board because yeah, with a lot of the more recent ones especially we're we're kind yeah, of lost yeah no yeah, you, you know like like us just to form the messaging app uh, if we tr if we do this kind of thing again maybe maybe next one we can do uh jim carrey that's a maybe um so so you're telling him there's a chance so D David and Brandon, do you guys want to give your like last little send off to like what you like about Adam Sandler, what you just what keep what keeps you coming back to these movies? 
I don't know. I, I grew up. I grew up with those movies. Like I watched them so many times back in the day. So like whenever they're on TV or whatever, if I've seen them so many times, I just thought, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it again. Cool, Brandon. What about you? I've always liked the general cast that they include in a lot of these movies. Like I've I've always I've always been a fan, specifically maybe of Kevin James. I was a fan of his. Yes. I was a fan of his in The King of Queens, and then carrying over into some of his either comedic roles such such as in Grown Ups or even somewhat more serious roles such as in, um, and we didn't mention this once, Nida, and Here Comes the Boom. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking of that uh, one. Oh, yes, too. everybody's favorite P.O.D. lyric. Yeah, I did like here that comes one. The boom. Here comes the boom. Yeah. I mean, so if I you think, think about it, without Adam Sandler, we would not have the majesty of Paul Blard playing Detroit Rock City in a mall while robbers are taking over. Um, yeah, like, exactly. They would not have you know, like, that there, epicness. There are, there are films like that his like friends do like the that he's not in, but like he produces. Like also like back to Rob Schneider. I mean, remember that movie, uh, The Hot Chick? All oh, right, yeah. Apparently Disney One Plus movie. does because it's on there. Yeah, because yeah, because I'm seven made a cameo in that movie, but and he was one of the producers. Yeah, another one. That One movie based, that right? I particularly uh, like by Rob Schneider that. Was a weird one that stuck with me for a while in uh, my childhood. Was um, the Benchwarmers, which was kind of a fun one. Well, with, uh, that's definitely mid two thousands humor for you. Fun oh, right, him and Spade. That was with the guy who. That was with Napoleon. It kind of tanked right? Napoleon Dynamite's post Napoleon Dynamite career for a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, and, and but for and for a while, the problem was I couldn't remember who what the name of the guy was. So. It obviously did take it enough that I couldn't remember him. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, no, that's that's cool. Uh, anyways, um, tonight was a lot of fun talking about Adam Sandler. Josh, uh, I got to be honest, like, um, it, you've seen a lot more of his stuff than I have. I feel like I'd seen enough just to form a conversation. Uh, but um, I would say I've seen enough to be, like, mostly familiar with his work. So uh, thank you for being our co-host and guide tonight. Um, thank you. Lyle, if you hear this, I know I'm no substitute for you, so come back soon, please. I can't fill your shoes forever. They're too big. Oh, uh, I'm sure he'd really appreciate that, Josh. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you, Brandon and David, for adding to the discussion, and we will see you next time. Not bad for Stan and Judy's kid, eh? Oh,